the Tech Night Owl Live, the show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. This week on the Tech Night Owl Live, we'll be featuring Peter Cohen from iMore. We'll also hear from an old friend of mine who has been a manufacturer and reseller of peripherals for Macs primarily, Larry O'Connor from Otherworld Computing. A lot to talk about, including the day that might come when you can buy a large solid-state drive and not pay a lot for it. Think about it. On the Tech Night Out Live. <laughs> we have Peter Cohen from iMore joining us as first up this week. And a lot of things happening in the tech universe, but some of those things border on the political. And I think one big example is this editorial from Apple CEO Tim Cook, where he speaks very negatively about this so-called religious freedom law that you've all heard about in Indiana. Now, we're doing the show ahead of any changes in that law that might come. The point to discuss here, though, is whether the CEO of a company, especially a large multinational corporation like Apple, should be speaking out on political issues like that. What's your take? I think that it's great, and I wish that more CEOs would speak from the heart, as Tim Cook has done. He's not afraid to let his perspective be known on the issue and uh, to to be very forceful in his uh, opinion. I think that that's a good thing. You know, I, I think that, that 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 if more companies did that, you know, we would probably have a better country to show for it. One of the fear mongering cable news networks that shall not be named was railing against him the other night saying, well, he's talking about this law in America, but what about the fact that Apple sells products in Arab countries and there are issues about Sharia law? Shouldn't he speak out about them? And I thought to myself, you know, this is an American, Apple's an American company. He's talking about issues here. He's not trying to revise the political climate in other countries. That is definitely not what he should be doing. But certainly as an American citizen, he has a right to speak up. I think that you are correct on all your points. And I think that that, that's absolutely accurate. Apple may do business in a lot of other countries, but Apple is an American company. Uh, Tim Cook is an American citizen. Just like all American citizens, he has First Amendment privileges guaranteed to him that that allow him to speak uh, on whatever issue he wants without uh, fear of government interference. Tim Cook, in fact, does not have that privilege in other countries because he's not a citizen of those other countries. And many of those countries don't allow the same latitude towards free speech that uh, uh, for their own citizens that, that he's entitled to here in America. So it's a false equivalency, and it's really kind of a stupid thing to say. And the other argument they were making is, well, if he expresses this point of view, what about people who have a contrary point of view? Should they say, I'm not going to buy an Apple product? Now, of course, I think they are more than welcome to, you know, I, I, I can't tell you the number of products that I've stopped buying because I think the CEO is a schmuck. Domino's Pizza, for example, or Papa John's. Those are two chains I won't do business with because I think the people who run them are jerks, you know. So, yeah, you as an American citizen have every right to vote with your pocketbook. If you don't like what the company does or what somebody at the company does. So, yay. That's how capitalism works. You don't like the product. You don't like the people. You don't have to do business with them. But that's kind of the whole point of the religious freedom law, isn't it? Opponents of the religious freedom law, they say, well, you know, they they shouldn't have to do business with with gays if they don't like to. You know, I'd like to flip this argument on its head and basically say, 
yeah, that's fine. But here's the thing. If they don't want to do business with somebody, they shouldn't have to. But they shouldn't use the person's sexual identity or gender identity or anything else like that as the excuse to do it. If you don't want to do business with somebody, then don't do business with somebody. Don't go crying to your local government and expect them to enshrine you know, your morality in law unless you're willing to live with the consequences. And you know, the, the, the consequences of the Indiana law are that they're losing business. They're losing business from big companies like Salesforce. You know, Gen Con attracts tens of thousands of attendees. They want to pull out of Indianapolis because of that law. So, you know, Indiana is cutting off its nose to spite its face to put in what is, in my opinion, and also Tim Cook's, you know, just codifying religious bigotry um, in the law. Well, maybe, of course, we should follow what they do in Scientology, which is what? That the world was seeded by aliens millions of years ago? Oh, yeah. I watched Going Clear, too. Very interesting documentary, huh? Oh, it certainly is. But, you know, we take a crazy science fiction writer and he comes up with a religion and it maybe it went to his head. I don't know. Now the Scientologists are going to try to correct me. Here's the the entire problem that I have with Scientology has nothing to do with going clear or engrams or Xenu or anything. Here's the problem I have with Scientology. I, I read voraciously. I read science fiction when I was a kid and a young adult and all through my life. And my experience is that L. Ron Hubbard was a lousy writer. I couldn't get past that fact. It's the same reason why objectivism never gelled with me because Ayn Rand was a lousy writer. Started his own religion. I'd be a high priest in that stuff. But L. Ron Hubbard, lousy hack. Well, there you go. You don't have to be good. No. What can I say? Now, just an interesting sidelight here. Arkansas legislators had passed a similar law to the one in Indiana, which, by the way, differs in significant respects from the federal law. So just look at the laws. Instead Don't take of, my yeah, word for it. Going, Bill Clinton signed this. No, he didn't. No, it's different. The point being here is that Walmart, which is not a liberal company, the CEO of Walmart, the biggest employer in Arkansas, said, this law is no good. The next day, the governor of Arkansas says, I'm going to send this back to the legislature to make it more closely aligned with the federal law. Hello, if they did that before, if they just simply mirrored that law and simply adapted it to state use in Indiana and Arkansas, we wouldn't have this. They wouldn't have to because federal law, you know, would 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 cover what happens in uh, in Arkansas. No, this is this is, you know, this is local legislatures. This is state legislatures trying to uh, to to cater to their constituents. Um, pander really is the word that I'm looking for, trying to pander to their constituents, not actually make good legislation. Well, there it is. So obviously, we can see now one of the things that Tim Cook has done differently is that he speaks out and he's not afraid when something bothers him. He's not going to think about the effect or the impact of sales. He's going to speak out. Yep, absolutely. And I wish that more uh, uh, CEOs of big, uh, big companies would uh, wear their heart on their sleeve and, you know, and do the same, same thing that Mr. Cook is doing. I think it's a good thing. Now, what's your take on the case of the dueling biographies, where suddenly Apple executives say, you know what, the Walter Isaacson book, Jobs, 
wasn't so good. This is four years after it was published, or three and a half years. Wasn't so good, portrayed him in too negative a light. This new book, Becoming Steve Jobs, that's closer to the guy that we know. Do you think they're just trying to be revisionist here or what? You know, I think I can summarize my feeling on uh, Becoming Steve Jobs thusly. I bought Isaacson's book the day it came out, read probably about 20, 30 pages, put it down, and it's gone unread on my nightstand since then. Still there four years later. I look forward to putting an equally unread copy of Becoming Steve Jobs near it at some point in the near future. Now, I want to ask you more about that. That's interesting. Because I started to read the Isaacson book, and I set it aside. And I've talked to other people on the show and elsewhere who came to the same conclusion. They sat down with the book and thought, you know what? For whatever reason... I'm not going to finish this book. Isn't that interesting? We've got a lot more to talk about that. We're also going to ask you before we split for this segment to go to plus.technightowl.com, P-L-U-S.technightowl.com. Learn about Tech Night Owl Plus and all the good things it does. We have Peter Cohen from iMore and so much more to talk about on the Tech Night Owl Live. Quantitative easing, unemployment at depression levels, Europe financial system falling apart, China getting out of U.S. treasuries. At the end of 2008, the time of TARP, the national debt was at 11 trillion gold, trading around $850 per ounce. Close to 2012, the national debt exceeded 16.4 trillion, gold doubled to $1,600 per ounce. The 20 trillion threshold for the national debt is inevitable. Politicians in Washington have a ferocious appetite for spending and stimulus. What's worse, a printing press to finance. A hundred years ago, we had a gold standard to limit this madness, but now you have to adopt your own gold standard. Don't be fooled with paper promises. Get Midas Resources 10 Reasons to Buy Gold free by calling 800-686-2237. Understanding the gold and silver market may be the only insurance you could have to avoiding the next economic crisis. Call 1-800-686-2237 and order your free copy. Again, that's 800-686-2237. Most people know that drinking pure, high-alkaline pH water is the most important factor in maintaining high energy and vibrant health. Most experts agree that the water you drink should be at a pH level of 8 or higher. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops combine a unique formula of the most alkaline minerals. Using Plasma pH Drops is the best way to make your water alkaline to help you get rid of acid and regain your health and energy. Simply put 10 drops in the water you drink to raise the pH to a healthy level. Alkalizing water helps your body rid itself of acidic waste and increases the oxygen content of your body. Disease organisms like bacteria, viruses, and cancer cannot survive in an alkaline high pH environment. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops now by going directly to AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Or call 269-409-1776. 269-409-1776 today. 
Attention taxpayers, if you've received a notice from the IRS or state, do not ignore it. It's also a big mistake to try and handle your tax problem on your own. If you owe back taxes, it's a fact that the government has the power to take everything you own, including your home, business, wages, savings, and your freedom. But here's the good news. There's a special toll-free tax hotline set up especially for you. This tax hotline will tell you about new programs that are geared to help you dramatically settle, reduce, or eliminate what you owe. But you have to call now. Take down this number or put it in your cell phone. But call 877-345-7645. That's 877-345-7645. When you call, you get free information on how you can reduce or eliminate back taxes, including penalties and interest. You can also be helped if you have unfiled returns, a tax lien, wage garnishment, bank levy, or if you have been entered into a payment plan but can't make the payments. Don't make the big mistake in thinking you can ignore or handle your tax problem on your own. You can stop the collection process immediately at 1-877-345-7645. That's 1-877-345-7645. 1-877-345-7645. For over five years, you've been hearing about the Berkey guy, so you may know a few things about him. For example, you are well aware of the superior quality and effectiveness of Berkey water filters and accessories. But did you know the Berkeys have had independent lab tests done to prove just how effective they are? It's true, and he can email you the test results. Just visit GoBerkey.com. You may also know that the Berkey guy has helped tens of thousands of people get better prepared. Now here's something you may not know. GoBerkey.com has amazing specials and deals all the time on a wide variety of survival and preparedness products. Most ready to ship same day. Visit the Berkey guy at GoBerkey.com and be sure to click the red Products on Sale Now button. You can always call toll-free 877-886-3653. Again, that's 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com, home of the Berkey guy. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow night owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. Peter Cohen is with us. And we started with whether corporate executives should be speaking out on important political or social issues, such as Tim Cook did with the editorial in the Washington Post. And then about the dueling Steve Jobs biographies, where the executives at Apple have kind of disavowed, in, I guess, Mission Impossible format, disavowed the Walter Isaacson book, but have embraced becoming Steve Jobs. Now, you said you read a small part of the Isaacson book and then set it aside. Why? Because it wasn't interesting. You know, for the same reason that I've tried to muddle through Battlefield Earth and a dozen other L. Ron Hubbard tomes only to put them down because it's crappy writing. You know, I just wasn't interested in what Isaacson had to say. I wasn't interested. I what it, it turns out that I just, I don't care about the mythology of the man. I don't care about his his origin story as a superhero. I really don't. I'm not an Apple user because I'm an acolyte of Steve Jobs. I'm an Apple user because they make products that I happen to like. And that's got a lot more to do with the people in Cupertino who worked for Steve Jobs and still work there today than it does with Steve Jobs himself. Look, Jobs was an enormously influential figure. His marketing acumen knew no bounds. 
incredibly talented person. Also, even in the Isaacson book, clearly a bit of a schmuck. And, you know, just that, that's, that's not interesting to me. It's it, it not interesting, that kind of personality. So from my personal perspective, I really didn't get enough out of it uh, to bother continuing with it. And, and the, the whole premise upon which Becoming Steve Jobs is based, again, I'm, I'm not interested in a study of the man. I just don't think that I'm going to get that much out of it. I'm more interested in finding my own path and, and watching other people find theirs. Is it a matter here is that we're trying to invest what Apple does too much in a single personality? Because obviously Steve Jobs had to delegate a lot to make these things happen. And he didn't always approve every decision that was made. Sometimes you had to convince him. I mean, it's fun, I guess, to think about how these products were designed. That's interesting. But what Steve Jobs did when he went home, so what? Yeah, exactly. I, that, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a lot of it. We want to sort of anthropomorphize, I guess is the word, this creative spark. And for whatever reason, we've done that in Jobs, who's been, you know, compared to Edison and Alexander Graham Bell and, and friggin' Isaac New- Newton. And, you know, the, the comparisons are ridiculous. The comparisons are ridiculous. And uh, they're, they're insulting and they're diminutive to those other people. I just have a full body reaction to to this this eulogizing of of Steve Jobs as as one of the great men of the 20th and 21st centuries. I just don't buy it. And I, I think it's kind of ugly and weird and uh, sycophantic and I, I really wish that that we would get past it. Especially I mean, you know, it's been four years since the guy died. Can't we just leave him in peace now? Well, now they're making a movie about him. I didn't see the other movie that it had. And now they've got Michael Fassbender, who's a German-born actor playing Steve Jobs, who, by the way, was of Arabic descent, obviously. So we have this actor, Michael Fassbender, who plays Magneto, the villain in X-Men, and he's playing Steve Jobs. So is there some poetic justice in making that guy Steve Jobs? He doesn't even look like him. Well, you know, Fassbender's a, a tremendously talented actor. I'm familiar with his oeuvre, and, uh, you know, I, I uh, respect the work that he's done, so I, I'm not going to uh, insult him for taking the role or assume that he can't carry it off effectively. The other movie that came out with Ashton Kutcher was a joke. It was kind of pathetic and sad. But, you know, whatever. You know, I, I don't really have an opinion on the Fassbender uh, vehicle one way or the other because I I haven't seen it. Um, and I, I don't know that I will see it once it's available. I just, again, you know, it it, 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 it calls to something that, that I find very distasteful and, and wish that we would get past. And quite frankly, I just wish that people would be happy remembering uh, Steve the way that they remember him and get on with their lives because there's a lot of other important stuff to think about. Yes, let's worry about what Apple does now. If we like the products, fine. Who cares who built it? That's the biggest thing here, too. With most companies, the companies who make stuff that we like, or we spend a lot of money with those companies, do we always worry about who runs it? Do we even care? I think most of the time, no. I think most of the time, if you asked somebody um, who, if you ask the average Apple user who runs Apple, they may think that Steve Jobs is still alive, and they may call him Steve Jobs if they're even familiar with the name. Uh, 
you know, the, the, the interesting thing is you, you, the, the way the question is, is phrased, you know, it, it seems like, you know, we, we do care about Steve Jobs. I think that it's a very select group of people who actually do. I mean, sure, you know, I'm sure that there are a lot of MBAs out there, a lot of people in marketing and PR and uh, a lot of, of people who, who you know, are, are, are business people who are interested in it. But the average muggle, as I call them, the average user who uses these things couldn't care less who's running Apple, you know, and may not have the slightest idea who's running Apple. They know that it's a product that they want to use, and they know that Apple is a big company and does a lot of different things. Um, But, yeah, the the cult of celebrity around uh, CEOs, whether it's uh, Jobs or Tim Cook or uh, Elon Musk or um, uh, Jeff Bezos or uh, Mark Zuckerberg, you know, that's that that caters to a very small audience. I wonder also why people give so much credibility to Carly Fiorina, who tried to run for Senate in California and failed and may run for president. And you think she's being introduced as this fabulous executive, and anyone who looks at the history of HP sees that they fired her eventually because the board of directors didn't agree with what she was doing. She was a big failure. Yeah, well, and we, so was we, everybody we kind who's of, tried uh, to run HP. Practically. We canonize her as being something special. She wasn't. No, she wasn't, but she's very palatable. You know, she's... Uh, uh, she's very palatable to a certain segment of people that have a lot of money and, you know, want to use their money to control what happens in government. So um, she ends up becoming a spokesperson for that group and is foist upon us as a public figure as a result. But you're absolutely right. If you actually bother to do the homework and, you know, check her credentials, you'll find out that there is very little cattle underneath that hat. That's right. You look at the history of HP and realize that HP has been in a pretty bad way for a while. And a lot of that decline in HP and its fortunes can be traced right back to Carly Fiorina. Not that I think Meg Whitman does any better. I think she's still looking for a strategy. Well, what's our strategy? Do we have any great new products from HP? And we have to realize also with HP, HP was the Silicon Valley pioneer. This was the company that built Silicon Valley. And look what it is today, and be grateful Apple hasn't fallen from those heights. <laughs> yeah, we have Peter Cohen joining us. More to come on the Tech Night Owl Live. Independently leading the way for the nation. Compelling talk for every political persuasion. We are GCN. Did you know that drinking pure, high-alkaline water is one of the most important factors in maintaining high energy and vibrant health? Most experts agree that the water you drink should be at a pH level of 8 or higher. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops, available only at AlkaVision.com, combine a unique formula of only the most alkaline minerals. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops alkalize your water, ridding the body of harmful toxins, and helps you regain health and energy. Alkalizing your water by simply adding 10 drops of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops helps 
helps the body rid itself of acidic waste, increases oxygen content, and raises the pH of your body to healthy levels. And bacteria and viruses cannot survive in an alkaline high pH environment. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH drops for only $29.95 at AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Or call 269-409-1776. 269-409-1776. Alkalize your body. Supercharge your health at AlkaVision.com today. By now, you may have heard a bit about Bitcoins. But did you know Bitcoins are now over an $8.5 billion market? And did you know that over 65,000 businesses now accept Bitcoins? Listen, if you're already earning Bitcoins or trying to make money in the Bitcoin market, you've got to know BidBit.co. Why? Because BidBit.co is where you can easily receive Bitcoins by selling and auctioning off your own personal items or promote business products and services for Bitcoins. You heard right. Whether personal or business, you can now buy, sell, and auction your product and services quickly, easily, and securely for Bitcoin at BidBit.co, the first and only marketplace website to offer BidBit escrow, a proprietary technology which gives buyers and sellers security and peace of mind because all transactions are protected. Start today. It's free to join, free to post, free to auction, and free to bid at BidBit.co. Buy, sell, bid, or auction everything Bitcoin. That's www.bidbit.co. BidBit.co. Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number. 1-855-905-MY-TV. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. Say goodbye to the cable guy. And get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. Sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 and there's no equipment to buy. You get free HD TV upgrade, a free DVR upgrade, and free professional installation. You control what you watch when you watch it. Record your favorite shows, pause and rewind live TV, even skip the commercials. Watch local channels too. At just $19.99, what are you waiting for? Pull out your major credit or debit card. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. 1-855-905-MY-TV. Say goodbye to the cable guy. Cut costs and get more. 1-855-905-MY-TV. 1-855-905-MY-TV. This alert just came in. This special announcement is for business owners and leaders of organizations who've been waiting for the right time to build. General Steel has made it impossible to wait any longer with rock-bottom prices that could save you thousands. That's right. General Steel, America's leader in pre-engineered structures, is offering buildings at prices you will never see again. Don't miss these prices. A 50 by 100 for $35,000. You heard right. That's 5,000 square feet for $35,000. Manufacturers, if you need a larger building, try a 100 by 100 commercial building for $129,000. You can't afford to rent with these prices. Imagine a 70 by 100 foot church building for under $69,000. With the economy improving and interest rates still at historic lows, you can't afford to wait. So call 866-91-STEEL. Lock in your price now. Call 866-91-STEEL. That's 866-917-8335. Live with Gene Steinberg. It's the Tech Night Owl. Because you never know what's going to happen next. On the Tech Night Out Live, we have Peter Cohen. We were talking, I guess, a lot about political issues. 
with regard to Apple, you know, about the controversial religious freedom law. We already have religious freedom in this country. I don't know why we need a law for it and all that stuff. And about the cult of personality with regard to corporate executives. Let's kind of look what the executives are doing. So we have all sorts of anticipation up, down and sideways about Apple Watch. And we've talked about Apple Watch before. But now that we're doing this show days before you can actually pre-order one and a few weeks before you can buy one, what's your expectation at this point? What's my expectation of what specifically? In terms of the uptake of this, is this something you think a lot of people want to buy? Yeah, I do. I do. I do. I do. The question is how many? And the question is what kind of Apple, what kind of supply Apple is going to have? Well, now they're saying now that, and this is a published report, that you won't be able to walk into the store and buy one. You'll have to order one because they won't have that much in stock. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there, there is that assumption. We don't know. We don't know exactly. And that could be Apple trying to do a little bit of damage control prior to release. But I guess we'll see. I mean, you know, we'll find out in a few weeks. Also, there's no standard to judge what a successful smartwatch is. I mean, we have Pebble selling 1 million units, which is nothing to Apple, a million of something. Uh, you know, it's just like Well, a million, is, a million is the low ball for what the analysts are expecting Apple to sell the first weekend. So you know, think so about this now. The first weekend, if Apple sells a million, it's more than Pebble has ever sold, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, one to four is the spread that I'm, I'm seeing from analysts right now. So... You know, we'll see. It, it depends on how many uh, Apple's uh, manufacturing partners have been able to actually make and, and ship, uh, you know, in, in, in time for the launch. Um, but, you know, it's it's going to be a big number. We already know that it's going to be a big number because there's a lot of pent up demand. But there's still a lot of open questions about who is going to be buying them. You know, how, who is it going to appeal to specifically? Um, are entire generations of Apple customers, like millennials, going to go near this thing because they've never worn a watch in their life? You know, they've had smartphones since, uh, in some cases, since they were kids. You know, so um, I myself haven't worn anything on my wrist uh, in over 10 years. Ever since I started using a laptop as my daily driver, if you will, I haven't worn a watch. And shortly thereafter, shortly after I got my first PowerBook G4, and started using that instead of a desktop computer, um, I got a cell phone, and the cell phone had a clock on it. And I said, oh, okay, well, that's all I really needed my watch for anyway, so why would I wear a watch anymore? And I've gotten out of the, the habit. And I know, I know that I'm not unusual there. I know many people I've, I've told that story to, and they should nodded their head, and they said, oh, yeah, ever since I started using a laptop. I, I haven't worn a watch. Having said that, I personally have a very strong use case for using an Apple Watch and really want to get one. I really would like to have an Apple Watch because I think it'll help me manage my health a lot better because I deal with chronic health conditions. And, you know, having something on my wrist to tap me to remind me to take a med or uh, a supplement or uh, to start exercising or do something else, that, that would be a very powerful tool that I don't have in my arsenal now. Sure, I've got that mapped out in calendars, you know, and I get periodic reminders on my phone or my iPad or my, my Mac that, you know, it's time to do this, that, or the other thing, but it would be a lot better to have something on my wrist um, than it would be to, to, to have to be tethered to one of these other devices in order to get that information. 
Plus, it'll keep track of stuff for me. It'll keep track of how many flights I'm walking up and down every day, how much I walk, and and uh, whether or not I've hit my daily goals and so on and so on. So there, there's a lot to, to recommend the Apple Watch and, for that matter, other fitness wearables. You know, that, that kind of stuff is not unique to the Apple Watch, but the Apple Watch is going to present Apple users anyway, you know, people like me who use Macs and use iPhones and other Apple devices with a level of integration that they really haven't been able to see. And that's very exciting. Well, today, for example, there's so much anticipation about Apple Watch. iFixit has a satire for April Fool's Day, which is when we're doing this episode, where they tear down Apple Watch. Of course, it's satire. They don't have one. They're, they're looking at it. I think it's a Mickey Mouse watch they're using. <laughs> or one of the old watches from the 90s that Apple sold. Yeah, I think I've got one of those in a dusty uh, box in a closet someplace. Oh, it's wacky. That's wacky. But you see the anticipation. And I think the question, I think the biggest question people have about this is the fact of the high-end version, the edition. People are spending from 10000 to 17000 Why would you buy something that expensive if it's not future-proofed? Well, that's a very good question. Um, and, you know, that's that's an open question that a lot of uh, tech pundits have spent a lot of uh, virtual ink uh, and a lot of their time and and uh, and brain cells thinking about, you know, uh, whether or not Apple is going to, you know, especially for somebody who's spending seven, ten thousand dollars on an Apple Watch. I don't necessarily think that most of the people who are actually going to get an Apple Watch edition are necessarily too concerned with being able to upgrade it. I don't think that for them, spending that kind of cash on an object that you wear on your wrist, uh, upgradability may not be the important thing any more than upgrading your Bugatti Veyron or uh, your designer handbag is a real issue for them. They have lots of money and they spend it on things that they like. I think that that's one thing that's been left out of the equation here for many people who are trying to get their head around the luxury watch market, it doesn't work the same way that the rest of the watch market works. I actually think upgradability is a much bigger issue for somebody who's blown 350 bucks on an Apple Watch or 700 bucks on an Apple Watch because these are real people. You know, these are people with with uh, presumably middle-class incomes or whatever remains of the middle class in the United States anyway, and and elsewhere. Um, And they need to be a little bit more careful with their money than somebody who's blowing 10 grand on a solid gold one. So, uh, you know, there's a a scale here, an economic scale at work that uh, I think we have to look at. That could at some point down the road, cause real fatigue in Apple Watch sales in the same way that there's been fatigue in iPad sales. People buy the iPad and they're like, nah, it's good. I have a third generation iPad. I have an, I, I, I never got an iPad Air. I never got um, an iPad Air 2. I never got an iPad Mini. I'm still working with a third generation iPad because it works well enough for me to continue to limp along with it in iOS 8.2 and I admit that it's slow. And I wish I never upgraded it past iOS 7. But the bottom line is I've got an iPad that runs the apps that I, I want to. And I don't want to drop five, six, seven hundred bucks on a brand new iPad right now. A brand new iPad that's thinner, that's lighter, that's faster, that has touch ID and all that other cool stuff. I don't have that kind of disposable income right now. So I'm limping along with my third generation iPad. Well, guess what? Millions of other people are as well. What we found out after Apple sold the iPad for a few years, is that people weren't refreshing them. 
at nearly the same rate that they used to, that they weren't, you know, dropping them and getting new ones every year like they did with iPhones. Their use case was very different. And we don't know what the use case for an Apple Watch is yet. We don't know how consumers are going to respond. And we also don't know what Apple's upgrade cycle for this device is going to be. So there's no knowing whether or not in April 2016, we're going to get a new Apple Watch or, you know, at some point between now and April 2016. These are all unknowns to us. So we just have to kind of take a wait and see approach and let the market kind of develop organically and then figure it out as we go along. And I'm sure that Apple has to do that a bit too. I'm sure they had to do that with the iPad. Everyone else is looking at this and saying, oh my God, it's a failure because sales have dipped. But Apple always thinks the long game, which the same is true for Apple Watch. They spent a lot of money to develop this product. And I'm sure there are lots of unanswered questions. And the other thing is the consideration that if you do buy the more expensive configurations, how long does Apple continue to support it? Remember, this is an accessory for an iPhone. So there has to be built-in support for a number of years. You can't wake up two years from now and suddenly your iPhone doesn't properly update with your Apple Watch because that's not going to be acceptable. We've got more to talk about. With Peter Cohen, I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night How Live. The nation's largest independently owned and operated talk radio network. The Genesis Communications Network. GCN. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light system today complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231 and the Berkey guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey light, the Berkey guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653 or order online at goberkey.com. That's goberkey.com today. 
Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number. 1-855-905-MY-TV. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. Say goodbye to the cable guy. And get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. Sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 and there's no equipment to buy. You get free HD TV upgrade, a free DVR upgrade, and free professional and installation. You control what you watch when you watch it. Record your favorite shows, pause and rewind live TV, even skip the commercials. Watch local channels too. At just $19.99, what are you waiting for? Pull out your major credit or debit card. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. 1-855-905-MY-TV. Say goodbye to the cable guy. Cut costs and get more. 1-855-905-MY-TV. 1-855-905-MY-TV. The human body is extraordinary. Despite all the stresses we inflict upon it, it still works hard to stay in balance. Thousands upon thousands of people rely upon heart and body extract to help their body stay balanced. This excellent 100% natural herbal formula helps maintain healthy blood pressure levels, cleans arteries, promotes good circulation, balances cholesterol, and more. HB extract paired with healthy lifestyle choices like good nutrition and exercise can give you a life free of pain, sickness, and fear. Recapture your youthful vitality and experience your body healing itself with the aid of HB extract. It's extremely effective and it starts working in just days. Visit hbextract.com to learn more and to read scores of testimonials from satisfied customers. And we've never increased our price in over 10 years. That makes heart and body extract as great a value now as it was the first day we sold it. A healthy heart is a happy heart. Call 866-295-5305 or go to hbextract.com. know what's going to happen next? Well, here's the Tech Night Owl, live with Gene Steinberg. So the future-proofing of the Apple Watch, do you see the point I'm making, especially because people are paying a bundle for these things, has to continue to support Apple Watch in the iPhone for a number of years. Yeah, I think and I hope that that's what's going to happen. But again, we just, you know, we, we don't know. These things are, are not knowable to us yet. So uh, we have to kind of take a wait and see approach. I know one of our colleagues, John Martellaro of the Mac Observer, was predicting at one point that Apple will allow you to change the module, the computing module, system on a chip, the basic module, replace that unit on Apple Watch with a newer version, with a faster processor, and that way it would be future-proofed. In a sense, you get new guts for your Apple Watch, and those guts are the same whether it's the cheap version or the expensive one. It's a great idea. Let's, let's actually see it happen before we waste any more time thinking about it. I have this $75 guest watch. Still keeps pretty decent time. I think I have to replace the battery again. My sister-in-law had this old, old fake i said fake rolex that needs repair maybe i'll see what it costs to fix it and i can walk around and say hey i'm broke but i have a rolex yeah i'm sure that fake apple watches are not far behind and assuming they haven't already been released in china someplace i think they already have fake apple watches already out so don't think about it they're out there or we have satires but 
I think the question here is what does the competition do about this? Because Apple Watch, you can't really compare it to any of these other products because they're tech toys. And Apple Watch is obviously meant to be more than a tech toy. Well, I think that, that that's um, per- perhaps understating um, the way that some of these other devices work. You know, there are a lot of legitimate Android Wear devices um, that are out there, but Apple Watch is, is certainly going to make a big impact just because, you know, Apple is is a marketing juggernaut. Apple has its own retail distribution methodology. Apple has a very strong third-party distribution uh, scheme with other retailers as well. And Apple has a very loyal base of, uh, of, of users who are interested in this new product. So uh, all that Apple has working in its benefit. Um, but, you know, that's not to say that um, the other devices are just tech toys. I don't think that's true at all. I think there's some really good ones out there. Which ones do you like? Well, uh, you know, you had mentioned the Pebble before. I uh, do not have a Pebble, but I've um, I have friends who have Pebbles and and uh, uh, you know continue to use them and love them. Um, uh, there's a new uh, device called the Oleo Model One uh, that looks really amazing. Um, there there are others as well. You know, like I said, uh, Android Wear. There there are some legitimate Android Wear uh, devices. As I've been kind of ruminating on the Apple Watch with. Uh, friends and colleagues, I've decided that I want an Apple, I don't want an Apple watch at all. I want an Apple pendant. I want to wear it around my neck. I want to hang it around my neck like the uh, the broken uh, Starfleet logo that Khan wore in Star Trek II. So it'll be the Wrath of Cohen, I guess. Or the Wrath of Apple Watch. There we go. Well, maybe they'll think about that when they reveal the plot line for Star Trek Three next year. There we go. That's being written by Scotty, co-written by Scotty. Did you know that? Simon Pegg. Great, yes. great uh, um, uh, contribution to the cast. I love him as Scotty. He's awesome. And he's going to be co-writer of the script. There you go. Let's go into some other subjects here. There's a piece you wrote, and I wanted to ask you about this if you know much more about it, where somebody took a Mac Plus from, what, the late 1980s and made it access the Internet today <laughs> now i know the piece you're talking about right and i'm off. thinking about this i saw the article and it kind of just went over my head for a second i said oh, all right isn't that cool but i thought about it and i realized how things have changed you know this was barely in the days of the analog modem and we didn't think too much about getting online then because it was very expensive you know mm-hmm. if you wanted to get online with one of these online services like a CompuServe or the early AOL, which, you know, went mass market in 1989. You had to spend a sum per hour. You bought this thing on an hourly basis. You connected at a thousandth of the speed that you connect now. And we thought that was pretty good. We were very happy for the connectivity. You know, my first experience getting online was in the mid-80s. I had a Macintosh and managed to secure a 2400-baud modem from a friend of mine and hooked it up and uh, discovered that there were bulletin board systems that had their own dedicated phone lines that you could call into 
all over my area. And I was pretty lucky because in the Boston area, there were a lot of computer programmers, systems analysts, and other people who were hobbyist computer users. And I mean, that's all there were back in the day is hobbyist computer users. But they took their hobby very seriously. And, you know, they set up these bulletin board systems to exchange files and, and information with, with other people who had similar interests. And this wasn't the internet. These were uh, computers in people's houses that were essentially, you know, server systems that had dedicated modems built into it. That was my first experience getting online, and I was able to um, learn about Mac shareware and download, you know, applications that people had written for the Mac and play games and stuff like that. It was a lot of fun. Later, I, I certainly used some of the same technology that the person who wrote that piece um, had talked about there was a uh, a software program developed called Mac TCP that provided TCP IP connectivity for the Mac at a time when Apple had no sort of interest in providing that to end users. And then there was uh, you know a PPP control panel that I installed to enable Mac TCP to work over a dial-up connection like the one that I was using. And then I paid a, an internet service provider in my area, like $20 a month for the privilege of accessing it. And, uh, you know, it, it, it was important for me to be able to do that because it kept me in touch with uh, communities and users and resources that made it easier for me to do my job. I was taking care of computers at the time and made it easier for me to do neat things with my computer. But that was the genesis of the internet connectivity that we take so for granted today. And I mean, internet connectivity is not ubiquitous. People uh, in many parts of, of the, the country are limited to still dial-up connections or little better than dial-up connections and have to pay outrageous amounts to do it. Uh, but it's come a long, long way. You know, I've got a cable modem in the house now that... Uh, pumps out or that the, its bandwidth is measured in, in uh, um, hundreds of, of, of megabits per second. And I'm, it's able to keep up with not just what I'm doing, but with the other four people in my house are doing. And we all have, you know, a desire to access content online. Now, with cable modems, their trick is what they call channel bonding, where they have multiple channels of data. So that means that your speed increases in multiples. So now they're able to come up and they have a standard called DOCSIS 3.1. And when they support that, your ISP, if they lay the right kind of cabling outside, they can get you gigabit internet, which you have in a few parts of the country right now. And even that is kind of discriminatory. There's a story, for example, about AT&T introducing gigabit internet in Austin, Texas for $70 a month. Why 70? Because Google Fiber is there. If Google Fiber isn't there, they charge you 110 a month. Even that's, of course, you know, not expensive for what you get, but you see all the scams these companies pull. But we're talking about that, and it's coming to where I live. You know, I live near Phoenix, and Cox is bringing something called Gig Life here for, I don't know, 130 a month. I'm not sure what the price is, way beyond what I could afford. But the thing is here, I have to be lucky. Because people like me can get this high-speed internet, and what a very large portion of this country, what, 20, 30% can't even get much past basic dial-up. Isn't it a tragedy? 
It's not only a tragedy, it's reprehensible, uh, you know, especially when you compare us to other industrialized countries that have much better connectivity. We're not the best. We're not the worst either. Uh, we're somewhere in the middle of the pack. But, um, yeah, I would not want to live in, you know, a remote rural area. Well, I, I probably wouldn't want to live there for a whole bunch of reasons, but uh, not having reliable, fast, affordable Internet access is definitely... Uh, an issue. And even, I mean, you know, my wife and I have been in our current house now for 11 years. When we moved in and we are, when we were looking and talked to a real estate agent, the real estate agent said, well, you know, what are your top three or four criteria for a home? And number one was reliable internet access because I was working from home and I needed to be able to communicate and I needed to be able to send files and I needed to be able to do podcasting even back then. And, you know, having reliable internet access was at the top of my list, even before other stuff that other homeowners might might have taken for granted as being more important. We have Peter Cohen. We have more to come on the Tech Night Out Live. Great minds think alike. The network for the independent-minded. The Genesis Communications Network. GCN. By now you know that wireless technology like cell phones do in fact pose dangers to the health and privacy of everyone. Blockit Pocket's wide range of products are unmatched in providing the protection you deserve. No scare tactics, just common sense. BlockitPocket.com offers quality American-made options to alleviate and eliminate these invisible dangers. Learn more at BlockitPocket.com or call 888-315-9618. BlockitPocket.com, enhancing health and privacy. Good people need help. The Homeowners Association said we had weeds and fined us $25. We told them they had the wrong house. They said if we didn't pay it, they'd file a lien. Our attorney demanded photographs, witnesses, and told them if they couldn't provide this, they must cease and desist. Issue solved. Worry less and live more with LSProtection.com. That's LSProtection.com or call 855-340-SAVE. That's 855-340-7283. Results will vary from case to case. Hi, this is Steve Sanchez, and based on a recent study, it was found that 57 million Americans had legal issues over the last 12 months, but only 60% of those studied sought out the services of a lawyer. Why? In a nutshell, affordability. While my friends at Legal Shield have created a solution that can help you not if, but when you need an attorney. For as little as $17 per month, Legal Shield will provide you unlimited access to qualified attorneys at an accomplished law firm for advice and counsel on legal issues no matter how serious or trivial. For over 40 years and with 1.4 million families across North America, Legal Shield can help you, the loyal GCN listener. Representatives are standing by now to answer your questions, so call them now at 1-855-340-SAVE. That's 1-855-340-7283 or visit them at lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com. Results will vary from case to case. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. I'm Gene Steinberg. He's Peter Cohen. We're talking about the tragic state of Internet access around the United States. You may not think about it, but because a lot of the country is really spread out. You know, you live out somewhere 
in the fields in Montana or something, getting Internet access may limit you to almost nothing or satellite, which can be costly and you have these low bandwidth caps. So, for example, a lot of the situation we have is that housing complexes, and I see this around Arizona, I'm sure it's elsewhere, where they will contract with one of the internet providers to wire it. And then if there's a second one available, which there isn't always, the second one, you can't get their service because it's wired by the first. You know, doesn't that have an antitrust implication? One would would think, but no. You know, cable services and, and, and stuff like that are not technically monopolies, but essentially operate as monopolies. In, in my area, it's, it's nothing but Comcast. Verizon decided when it was developing its Fios network that it wouldn't bring Fios to this region. It stops about, about 10 or 15 miles as the crow flies from my house. And there were geographical and population density reasons why they didn't bother to do it. But the net result was that there is very little fiber optic cabling anywhere in my region, anywhere in the county in Massachusetts in which I live. And it wasn't until there was a public works project, well, not a public works project, but a a project that appropriated federal money uh, to actually run fiber optic uh, cable uh, from one end of the county to another that we were able to get that. But even then, even then, that's not what uh, they refer to in the business as last mile connectivity. That's a backbone that was developed for businesses. So if you're a business and you need a connection, a connection to a high-speed fiber access ne- network, you can fiber optic access network, and you happen to be connected close to one of the trunk lines, you can get it. But if you're a homeowner, you know these these trunk lines are absolutely nowhere near homes, and there is no provider who is willing to go through the expense and the trouble of wiring up homes. So the only high-speed access that we have in our area is either Comcast or really flaky, unreliable DSL from Verizon. Now, here's the other issue here, too. More and more people these days work from their homes, as Peter and I do. Although you have the stint you do in the weekends at the Apple store that you work at. But more and more people are working at homes and they need business class internet service. It's true. You know, people's demands are increasing significantly faster than infrastructure can really support. So, um, you know, they're, they're always Comcast and other uh, ac- access providers are always trying to uh, up the bar um, because, you know, if, if they can get gigabit speeds, there is a cache of customers who will pay for that. But at least Google Fiber forced them to make these competitive in terms of pricing because we know not where Google's going to lay that, how far and wide it's going to go. But with that prospect, there's going to be competition. Even the DSL provider in this area, CenturyLink, which gives you 40 and 100 megabits, by the way, pretty decent, they're working on gigabit in some parts of the country. So they threatened to bring it to Arizona. So that's it. But let's just ask one more thing here before we go on to other topics. Net neutrality, which is always fear-mongered, unfortunately. Net neutrality may prevent your ISP from slowing down your Netflix connection or monkeying with something else. They can't theoretically just selectively slow down or speed up services, speeding up if they get a bigger check or something from the content provider. But that doesn't give you more internet choices where you live. It doesn't give you faster internet. 
No, I don't suppose it does. So we get back to that. So in one sense, yes, it's going to help in the sense of equalizing the load. We all get whatever we want legally at a normal speed, whatever it's capable of. But it's not going to make your internet more readily available. No, it's not. Um, <laughs> and, and you know, the, you, you're right. This is this is kind of a facile interpretation that I think that that some people have 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 made of what net neutrality is all about. Net neutrality isn't about that. Net, net neutrality is about ranking. You know, the importance of the. Uh, the the traffic that you're actually getting one over the other. So, you know, assuring that some packets of information are going to get to you faster than others or um, that, that, that there's going to be a gateway between you and that information. It's, it's a very complicated um, uh, technical argument um, that I don't think is understood very well. So we hear a lot about net neutrality, but I don't necessarily think that, um, that, that people understand it as well as they need to in order to make an informed uh, or to have an informed understanding of, of what is currently being talked about. And I think the people who criticize it the most have no clue what it's about and simply make up stories. Well, it's the end of the Internet as we know it. The it's government Obama is going to control the Internet. The internet. That's, that's my favorite. Ted Cruz called it Obamacare for the Internet, which is one of the most stupid, pig-ignorant things I've ever heard come out of Ted Cruz's mouth. And that is a long list. You know, I don't think that um, the people who are criticizing it, like Ted Cruz, are uh, necessarily saying the things that they're saying because they believe them. I think they're saying the things that they're saying because they've been paid to say them, um, or they've been influenced in some way to say them by people who don't want uh, this stuff to happen because it's pro-consumer. Uh, because it benefits us, but doesn't have the benefit for multi-billion-dollar corporations. We have one commentator, Tom Hartman, who says we're already living in an oligarchy here. It's gone. Democracy is gone. The big corporations have taken over. I don't want to get into politics. We well, you know, when I, when, I was, when I was a kid, I read a lot of um, William Gibson and Bruce Campbell and stuff like that. The cyberpunks uh, were big when I was a teenager and a little bit older than that. Cyberpunk uh, science fiction, for the uninitiated who might be listening who aren't familiar with it, is, uh, you know, the stuff that, that spawns stuff like Neuromancer and, uh, um, and so on. You know, the, this idea that we would all be plugged into a global internet someday and that the world would be run... Uh, through uh, mega corporations, and we would all be living in me- megapolises with jacks in our head and uh, uh, Zeiss optics um, in place of our corneas. Um, and of course, most of that hasn't come true. Uh, but I definitely feel sometimes when I'm watching the debate over net neutrality happen, like I'm living in the cyberpunk dystopia that I read about back in the 80s. Here comes Skynet and the Terminator. Hey, I wanted to get back to something because he really went far afield talking about internet connectivity. So I have this old Mac in the garage, 1989, 1990. This is a Mac Plus where I take out a 1989 Mac 2CX, which I had, but I sold off a long time ago. Maybe someone still has it. I want to get online. What do I do? Let's talk about that and continue in the next segment. What do I do to get online? Can I really, without a lot, a lot of work? 
Peter? Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. What did I do? How would I get online with something like that? How would you get online with... The aging 1989 Mac? Well, it's it's all going to depend on which Mac model it is. I mean, I could talk specifically about... Um, uh, which Mac model are you talking about? Now? Let's talk about the one in the article, the Mac Plus. Yeah, the Mac Plus goes back further than I would have liked. You know, the, the, the getting the, getting I actually know. Come to think of it, it, it getting a Mac Plus uh, online isn't that big of a deal. Um, you could use uh, um, an Apple Talk uh, connector, for example, and if you can still lay your hands on an Asante Talk or some other device to bridge a connection. Um, to an Ethernet uh, jack on your wireless router, you could certainly do it that way. They went through some multi-step process involving uh, a serial cable and and uh, some exotic nonsense. I forget what exactly, but... Um, they did it the hard way. Let's go into more of that in our next segment with Peter Cohen. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. <laughs> Mike Stennerson from Midas Resources. At no time in history have precious metals been more important, certainly not in my 22 years in the industry. The dollar has lost over 90% of its value in the last 60 years. No fiat currency has ever survived the government printing presses. Ours is not immune. The time is now to be proactive. 1-800-686-2237, extension 116. Anything tied to the dollar is at risk. CDs, annuities, 401ks, IRAs, stocks, bonds, you name it. So decide. Do you want to leave a legacy of wealth or debt for your family? The choice is yours. Call me at 1-800-686-2237, extension 116. That's 1-800-686-2237, extension 116. Be proactive, not reactive. Call 1-800-686-2237, extension 116. By now you may have heard a bit about bitcoins. But did you know bitcoins are now over an $8.5 billion market? And did you know that over 65,000 businesses now accept bitcoins? Listen, if you're already earning bitcoins or trying to make money in the bitcoin market, you've got to know bidbit.co. Why? Because bidbit.co is where you can easily receive bitcoins by selling and auctioning off your own personal items or promote business products and services for bitcoins. You heard right. Whether personal or business, you can now buy, sell, and auction your products and services quickly, easily and securely for Bitcoin at BidBit.co, the first and only marketplace website to offer BidBit escrow, a proprietary technology which gives buyers and sellers security and peace of mind because all transactions are protected. Start today. It's free to join, free to post, free to auction, and free to bid at BidBit.co. Buy, sell, bid, or auction everything Bitcoin. That's www.bidbit.co. BidBit.co. The human body is extraordinary. Despite all the stresses we inflict upon it, it still works hard to stay in balance. Thousands upon thousands of people rely upon heart and body extract to help their body stay balanced. This excellent 100% natural herbal formula helps maintain healthy blood pressure levels, cleans arteries, promotes good circulation, balances cholesterol, and more. HB extract paired with healthy lifestyle choices like good nutrition and exercise can give you a life free of pain, sickness, and fear. Recapture your 
youthful vitality and experience your body healing itself with the aid of HB Extract. It's extremely effective and it starts working in just days. Visit HBExtract.com to learn more and to read scores of testimonials from satisfied customers. And we've never increased our price in over 10 years. That makes heart and body extract as great a value now as it was the first day we sold it. A healthy heart is a happy heart. Call 866-295-5305 or go to HBExtract.com. Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number. 1-855-905-MY-TV. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. Say goodbye to the cable guy. And get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. Sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 and there's no equipment to buy. You get free HD TV upgrade, a free DVR upgrade, and free professional and installation you control what you watch when you watch it record your favorite shows pause and rewind live tv even skip the commercials watch local channels too at just $19.99 what are you waiting for pull out your major credit or debit card call 1-855-905-MY-TV 1-855-905-MY-TV say goodbye to the cable guy cut costs and get more 1-855-905-MY-TV 1-855-905-MY-TV We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. One more segment with Peter Cohen. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live. I want to remind you to visit plus.technightout.com, P-L-U-S.technightout.com to learn about our premium feature called Tech Night Owl Plus. We give you the higher resolution copy of the show free of commercials for a modest monthly rate, plus.technightout.com. So we're talking about this article that Peter is mentioning where they took a 1980s Mac Plus and they got it on the internet, and you were mentioning, of course, the simplest way is just to hook up an adapter to a standard Ethernet connection. At least it gets you the bits and bytes there. But even if you do that, how do you actually access it? Are there browsers from that period that could work? Oh, yeah. there And there are tons of repositories that are still on the internet, FTP sites, uh, public FTP sites that you can uh, connect into on another computer that's already got a working connection. And if you've got some way of transferring files to that older device, that will certainly help. But, uh, of course, getting those files to that device is uh, is the trick. So the first part comes with uh, getting the connectivity done. You've got to get Mac TCP installed. You've got to get the device physically connected to a working network where it can get an IP address allocated to it and so on. And then uh, download the software and uh, make use of it. Now, the experience of working with an older computer on the internet, and it doesn't need to be you know, a, th- a 30-year-old machine, it can be a 10-year-old machine, is painfully slow sometimes uh, compared to what you expect in a modern web browser on a modern Mac or a modern PC or even something simple like a Chromebook or your smartphone. So your expectations need to be throttled extremely, extremely low. We take for granted that 
there's a tremendous amount of dense visual information that we are bombarded with almost constantly on the internet. If you're on Twitter, you'll see a constant stream of photos and avatars and movies and GIFs and all sorts of other things. Or if you go to Facebook, you'll be assaulted with all manners of content uh, involving Adobe Flash plugins and so on. So you have to understand that your device is very limited in terms of what it can do, but even the author of that article found after a time that he could access websites and he could, uh, you know, click on links and do things. Uh, it just looked very different and was painfully slow uh, compared to what he was accustomed to on a modern web browser. So it's inter interesting from an anthropological uh, perspective to see that happen, but I don't think it, it actually translates into a worthwhile endeavor for most of us to try to resurrect our old hardware to run in 2015 it, any more than it makes sense to try to resurrect dinosaur, uh, dinosaurs from their DNA trapped in amber. It's a question of how spoiled we've become because we look at what the iPhone 6 can do today and it has the performance of a Mac of just a few years ago. That's how powerful these things have become. That's right. And I mean, just look at their capacity. You know, the mid-range to even the low-end uh, iPhone 6 comes with 16 gigabytes of storage capacity. And that's flash storage capacity. 16 gigabytes of flash storage capacity was inconceivable only a few years ago. Even on a desktop computer, it would have been thousands of dollars if you could have even installed it. And there's talk, by the way, and we'll get into this when we discuss it with some people from the industry, but there is new technology for flash storage that may allow you to buy an affordable 10 terabyte solid state drive in yeah, what, the next couple of years? In the next couple of years, they're calling it 3D NAND. It's very exciting technology. And stacking NAND in three dimensions is something that's actually been around for a little bit. Samsung introduced it last year. But the way in which Micron and Intel are doing it is significantly different in terms of the, the cost of manufacturing. And that's what makes this exciting is that it looks like it's actually going to be feasible uh, to do. Having said that, NAND, I mean, the cost per gigabyte on NAND versus a conventional, uh, conventional rotating hard disk drive, there's still very little comparison. You can get a massive amount of hard drive storage compared to what you would pay for uh, for flash storage, for NAND storage. But, you know, NAND is the way to go in terms of making laptops smaller and lighter and more energy efficient and produce less heat and be more durable. Uh, so it's unquestionably the, the direction that the future is headed in. It's just that we right now are paying a lot more for it than, than we were with hard drives. So, for example, a one terabyte solid state drive is like four to $500 now. Now, also remember, I bought a 100 megabyte hard drive in 1989 for $1,200. So you have to see where things go. A one terabyte traditional hard drive is what, $80? Right, exactly. So again, the cost per gigabyte uh, for a hard drive is much, much, much lower than the cost per gigabyte of a flash drive. I think the best compromise on Macs now is Fusion Drive, because unless you use very, very large files, for most people, you're getting about 90% of the performance of a solid state drive for much less money. I think that's a good stopgap measure. 
I think that that's fine for the few models where Fusion Drives are available, but the Mac Pro doesn't have a Fusion Drive. Um, you can't get a Fusion Drive in any of the laptop models, and the laptop models are by far the most popular models that Apple sells. So, yeah, if you're an iMac user um, or if you're even a Mac Mini user and you're looking for the best compromise between cost and performance, Fusion is the way to go. Fusion and RAM are the two most important things that you can do to improve the overall performance of your, your machine. But the Fusion Drive in its basic implementation in, in a Macintosh, in a desktop Macintosh, is, is very smart because what Apple does is it combines 128 gigs of solid-state storage with at least one terabyte, in some cases larger, conventional hard drive storage. And then the logic in the Mac and on the drive, help figure out where the data should go. So all of your frequently accessed files, your system files, the applications you use the most, the data you use the most, that stays in the flash drive. That stays in the fast storage area. It's only the files that you only access once in a long time or never that go off to the regular hard drive. So you don't see a big performance problem all you know is that your Mac is turning on and booting very quick because a lot of it is happening in Flash, but there's a lot going on behind the scenes in terms of the way the data is moved. It's very smart technology. It's not unique to Apple. It's possible to build Fusion drives for other platforms. Well, I shouldn't say Fusion drives. Fusion is Apple's word, but you know this, this hybridization of SSD and solid-state storage, it's possible to do on other platforms as well, but Apple has done it, uh, I think, very smartly. And so invisibly, all you know as the consumer is that my Mac is fast and I've got a lot of storage. And what more do you really need to know? That's it. I've worked with a couple of Fusion drives, starting up and everything, compared them to a pure solid-state drive. And for the most part, I don't see much of a difference. I realize there are areas, if you're handling you know, multi-gigabyte video files, swapping them back and forth over and over again, you've got to go all native, but that's how it goes. Exactly. Peter Cohen, where do we find more of the things that you do? You can read me on Twitter at Flarg, F-L-A-R-G-H, and I'm also posting every day on iMore at iMore.com, I-M-O-R-E.com. And a lot more to cover on this episode of the Tech Night Owl Live. A reminder, once again, go to plus.technightowl.com, P-L-U-S.technightowl.com to learn about Tech Night Owl Plus and all the good things we have to offer you. Peter Cohen, another good thing. Thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Owl Live. Always a pleasure, sir. Thank you for having me. Not just an alternative to the mainstream media. We're the premier independent talk radio network. We are GCN. Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors, head on over to a2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, a2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code GENE when you check out. 
This alert just came in. This special announcement is for business owners and leaders of organizations who've been waiting for the right time to build. General Steel has made it impossible to wait any longer with rock-bottom prices that could save you thousands. That's right. General Steel, America's leader in pre-engineered structures, is offering buildings at prices you will never see again. Don't miss these prices. A 50 by 100 for $35,000. You heard right. That's 5,000 square feet for $35,000. Manufacturers, if you need a larger building, try a 100 by 100 commercial building for $129,000. You can't afford to rent with these prices. Imagine a 70 by 100 foot church building for under $69,000. With the economy improving and interest rates still at historic lows, you can't afford to wait. So call 866-91-STEEL. Lock in your price now. Call 866-91-STEEL. That's 866-917-8335. For over five years, you've been hearing about the Berkey guy, so you may know a few things about him. For example, you are well aware of the superior quality and effectiveness of Berkey water filters and accessories. But did you know the Berkeys have had independent lab tests done to prove just how effective they are? It's true, and he can email you the test results. Just visit GoBerkey.com. You may also know that the Berkey guy has helped tens of thousands of people get better prepared. Now here's something you may not know. GoBerkey.com has amazing specials and deals all the time on a wide variety of survival and preparedness products. Most ready to ship same day. Visit the Berkey guy at GoBerkey.com and be sure to click the red Products on Sale Now button. You can always call toll-free 877-886-3653. Again, that's 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com, home of the Berkey guy. The human body is extraordinary. Despite all the stresses we inflict upon it, it still works hard to stay in balance. Thousands upon thousands of people rely upon heart and body extract to help their body stay balanced. This excellent 100% natural herbal formula helps maintain healthy blood pressure levels, cleans arteries, promotes good circulation, balances cholesterol, and more. HB extract paired with healthy lifestyle choices like good nutrition and exercise can give you a life free of pain, sickness, and fear. Recapture your youthful vitality and experience your body healing itself with the aid of HB extract. It's extremely effective and it starts working in just days. Visit hbextract.com to learn more and to read scores of testimonials from satisfied customers. And we've never increased our price in over 10 years. That makes heart and body extract as great a value now as it was the first day we sold it. A healthy heart is a happy heart. Call 866-295-5305 or go to hbextract.com. What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. On this segment of the Tech Night Owl live, we're featuring Larry O'Connor of Other World Computing, who's been involved in selling peripherals, mostly for Macs, for many, many years. Larry, welcome back to the show. It's been a while. I wanted you to tell our listeners a little bit more about your company. And I remember you must have gotten involved here in this business like when you were 10 or 12 years old. It seems that long. It's, I've been doing this now for 26 years and close enough. It was 14 actually when first started helping people uh, with upgrading their Macs. And to clarify, I mean, more than way more than just a, a source where you can purchase products and solutions from, 
And we manufacture and we engineer a large uh, portion of the products we offer, and certainly the products that are OWC or newer tech branded. You know, these these aren't products that were just a reseller or a, or a white boxer. I mean, these are products that go through you know, some pretty significant product development. And in a lot of cases, if not just final assembly, the actual manufacturing is, is done on-premise you know, in our facilities. Now, something like memory. Sure. Okay. Memory is actually uh, manufactured in Texas at our plant that's just north of Austin. And we've actually been manufacturing in Texas. Our solid-state drives are manufactured in the same facility. And we've been doing this, uh, I'd say, since roughly 2008. And in 2012, we actually opened our first physical creative design and engineering offices in-state to better uh, carry that forward and really get some things cranked up. But yeah, these, these aren't products that we're just throwing a label on by any means. And we're working on a documentary of our facility just to really inform and show people you know, what what's going on at the OWC. Let's go into the matter of memory here. Sure. And you see memory from a lot of places, for Macs or for PCs or for both, all sorts of prices. And you're smack pretty much in the middle there. Some's a little bit cheaper, some's more expensive. But how does one know, just looking at the specs or looking at, well, this is DDR3 and it's got this number and that number, how do they know what the differences are? You know, there's no easy, sort of having the the different memory and having, whether sometimes it even requires a longer term experience with a product. But in terms of at a glance to know what the difference is, it's really hard to tell. And in fact, in a lot of cases, the specs can be you know, on the surface the same, but there are little, I don't want to say quirky things, but you know, nuances that will result in this being compatible or not compatible. And, you know, one thing that you know, we absolutely guarantee is when you purchase a memory upgrade from us. The compatibility is listed with the module. We certify uh, memory upgrades even beyond what Apple originally uh, offered. I mean, memory technology changed. The chipsets, in a lot of cases, are able to support some of the higher densities. And, you know, we test and certify it to that. If we say it's compatible, we say it works, you know, you, you know it's the right set for your system. And I go one step further to say that, you know, there's plenty of you know, places that, you know, still XYZ memory and some, you know, just list specs. Others even, you know, Try to say that yeah, it's Mac compatible. And we see you know, on a regular basis incorrect listings. You know, stuff that we we know it doesn't work is the wrong. It's either you know that the capacity, the density they're suggesting is incorrect for the machine, or it's just not the right that program. Which you know, mission critical environment is more important. In a consumer system, it may. Or, well, bottom line is when things aren't lined up right, it creates glitches. And depending upon you know what you do with your system, those glitches are you know, of a more critical nature. But taking a couple of steps. Back outside of Apple, you know, there's no company, no uh, organization that I'm aware of in the world that maintains the kind of testing labs that you know, we have in operation that on a daily basis or you know, on an ongoing basis, not just every piece of memory that comes off the line goes through testing, but we do system testing you know, for all the different uh, models to ensure that you know, as dies change is uh, you know, just how, you know, what the memory, comp- I mean, the memory components that we're building with today are, you know, they're the same basic densities, but, you know, how they're built, the, uh, let's say the, uh, the die type, you know, these things don't stay constant. They're always changing and, and for all purposes, you know, often improving, but there's die shrink and such. Long and the short of it is we're always testing you know, these modules in the actual max that we, you know, guarantee compatibility with so that it's, you know, our job, it's us that, you know, it determines an issue, not an issue where we've shipped a bunch of memory out and all of a sudden customers are reporting an issue. You know, we make sure that the right product for your system is, is what we, we offer and what we provide. All right, looking at the potential problems here. 
So I buy memory from my Mac and from whatever dealer. Mm-hmm. How do I know I'm getting something that is good and not something that's defective? How do I know that I have memory that's of poor quality or has outright defects? Well, a memory monster that's got outright defects is going to rather causes you know, straight off the bat three beeps, or you end up with you know, unexpected kernel panics that you know, don't seem to have another explanation, or you know, there's all sorts of other little quirky, you know, fun side effects. But you know, truly bad memory, and you know, yeah, even even the very best memory, you know, you, you can't say that there's never ever you know, a defect. I mean, there's a lot of variables that obviously go into handling. Plus, you know, that's a so, yeah, you know, nobody can claim can can claim, you know, one thousand uh, percent perfection. Although, you know, I I would put out there that our actual fail rate, even under lifetime, is, is right now in the realm of five to ten units per thousand, which is and that's lifetime. That's not DOA. That's over the lifetime. So, yeah, there is a way to build memory and test memory in a way to obviously mitigate failures in the field. But going back to you know, other quality aspects, you you might not know. You might not know why a program is not giving you the best performance or, or giving the performance that it could be giving you because the latencies are programmed wrong on the memory. And as a result, you know, I say programmed wrong, they're just not programmed to what Apple wants them to be. And that can create, depending upon the system, that can actually create a, a timing situation that even though it might be faster than what that machine wants, it results in the timing not being right for how Apple has the system set up. So operations and memory bandwidth aren't quite as efficient as they should be. And it can have a negative impact on performance. OEM products, stuff that's, you know, we only use, you know, major brand die. And, you know, the majors, the primary majors today are Nanya and Samsung, Micron and Hynix. And you know, if you don't have a major brand on your actual chip, and I'm talking about the memory devices on the module, then the product is, you know, second tier. And, you know, some companies, you know, even, uh, you know, the big guys, you know, for their, uh, their house brands will use their second tier product. They're, you know, it's not really so much grade B, but it's, it, as you go farther out uh, from the center of a wafer, you end up with effectively you know, lower performing, and this was the quality. The, the grade starts to decline. It's you know, your, your prime. Your, your prime stuff is in the middle. That's where the best performance exists. That's where the best reliability exists. That's the that's the uh, the part of the uh, production that gets the uh, you know the branded stamp. The stuff that's of a lower grade starts to go out towards the the outer portion of the uh, the wafer. And that's the product that you know will have OEM and you know other named. You'll see a. I, I, I don't want to put any names out there, but you know just to uh, you know a few years ago, we were looking at you know there's like the opportunity that to do a cast acceleration that did provide a little bit of benefit for a certain type of Mac. And one thing that was super interesting was that our standard stuff was beating their cast accelerated product, and our cast accelerated product was stomping them and it wasn't because you know of a difference and there's like a few ways that i mean there's really it's a pretty straight you know, how to say the timing was a pretty straight you know, program there wasn't anything special we were doing in terms of the actual spd and you know how it inter- interfaced with the computer but because of the type of memory they were using oem die chips in their product there's enough of a difference in performance where you know our standard memory module was beating their premium accelerated module just because of deficiencies that came from the performance of those chips. So the bottom line is, you know, a lot of stuff is going to work or at least appear to work just fine, but there are differences that you're not going to see in the specifications that do make a real world difference that's, you know, even measurable in memory bandwidth. Let me tell you something, Larry, and we're going to end this segment in a moment. We'll have to continue. But 
as you know, sometime back I upgraded a 2009 iMac, the 27-inch iMac with 16 gigabytes of memory from your company. Before that, we had eight gigabytes of memory from Apple, and they had four two-gigabyte chips, so we removed that. And therefore, all Apple memory, goodbye, all OWC memory, hello. Now, performance slowdowns that I had observed before, like in launching Parallels Desktop with the Windows Virtual Machine, were gone, not just because of the extra memory, but something else. This was Apple memory had caused performance slowdowns. More to come with Larry O'Connor of Otherworld Computing. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Free from the shackles of corporate America, we're the place for independent thinkers. GCN. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com We live in a complicated society. Stressful issues are always popping up. Have you ever been treated unfairly by someone? Have you ever been overcharged for a repair? Have you ever signed a contract or a document worried about identity theft? How many times have you been in those unique situations where you just wanted to call an attorney to find out if you're right or wrong or what your legal rights are? But every time you think about calling an attorney, what do you think about first? That's right. Who do you call and how much will it cost? Our friends at Legal Shield have found a solution. With a nationwide network of 6,900 attorneys who average 19 years of experience, Legal Shield's law firms take over 40,000 calls per week helping their members. For less than $20 per month, you can have access to Legal Shield on everything from the trivial to the traumatic. Let Legal Shield stand up for your rights at lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com. Or call 855-340-SAVE. 855-340-7283. Results will vary from case to case. There's a man named Dr. Joel Wallach who is anything but your typical doctor, both a veterinarian and naturopathic physician. Doc asks, why does the United States spend more money on health care by far and still rank 50th in health and longevity worldwide? He believes that people should empower themselves with a basic understanding of nutrition, take charge of their health, and attain optimal health and longevity through nutrition, not by toxic prescription drugs that lead to side effects and more toxic prescription drugs. 
drugs. Doc Wallach's message is resonating with an increasing number of Americans who are waking up to all the big government, big pharma, and big insurance manipulation of our health care system. I'm George Norrie, and I like what Doc Wallach is saying and doing to enlighten people about health care. Visit brightsideben.com and listen to Doc Wallach's Deadly Recipes lecture. It makes a lot of sense, and I urge you to join the Brightside Ben team. Go to brightsideben.com. That's brightsideben.com. Attention taxpayers. If you've received a notice from the IRS or state, do not ignore it. It's also a big mistake to try and handle your tax problem on your own. If you owe back taxes, it's a fact that the government has the power to take everything you own, including your home, business, wages, savings, and your freedom. But here's the good news. There's a special toll-free tax hotline set up especially for you. This tax hotline will tell you about new programs that are geared to help you dramatically settle, reduce, or eliminate what you owe. But you have to call now. Take down this number or put it in your cell phone. But call 877-345-7645. That's 877-345-7645. When you call, you get free information on how you can reduce or eliminate back taxes, including penalties and interest. You can also be helped if you have unfiled returns, a tax lien, wage garnishment, bank levy, or if you've been entered into a payment plan but can't make the payments. Don't make the big mistake in thinking you can ignore or handle your tax problem on your own. You can stop the collection process immediately at 1-877-345-7645. That's 1-877-345-7645. You never know what's going to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Isle. Live with Gene Steinberg. We continue with Larry O'Connor of Otherworld Computing. And if you go to maxsales.com, by the way, a simple way of doing it, you can check the site. But let's go into this technical thing here. Suddenly, it's a night and day difference across the board. And we didn't have... You know, a solid state drive, we did that later on that iMac, but just certain performance hangups I observed, even when we weren't using all that much memory, disappeared when I went to your memory, which tells me there was something wrong with the Apple memory. Yeah, and just to, to you know, kind of the, to qualify things about, you know, the quality of memory and such, if you buy from, hopefully you order and buy OWC memory, but, you know, as long as you're purchasing memory from you know, a company that is truly reputable. And is selling. I mean, it's a, a product that you, know, you trust, and you, you have good reason to trust. You should be fine. But it's absolutely imperative if you want to have the best uh, results that that company guarantees that they're testing the product and specifically list compatibility with your machine. Otherwise, you're taking, you know, I won't say a gamble necessarily, but well, actually, you are. And as far as this Apple memory, yeah, that you know, Apple uses absolutely the same quality. And I mean, they're not. Apple doesn't cut corners on memory. Certainly, uh, would be highly likely that something was wrong with you know, one or more of those modules. Usually, a system slowdown of that nature doesn't occur, but it, it certainly is possible. Now, let's talk about this for a moment here. Obviously, not all Macs can be upgraded with memory. Apple has made the decision, which I have criticized extensively, not to benefit you, but just to benefit the customer, to use soldered memory on most of the latest MacBooks, on the latest Mac Mini on the 21 and a half inch iMac. Why are they doing that? I mean, I don't think Apple just wants to put third party vendors out of business. Do they have a reason for using soldered memory? You know, it's, I think it's a couple things. The first aspect is, you know, and we see this, I mean, we've recently on our e com side have you know, made a, a big push into the used Mac market. 
and it's an enjoyable space. I mean, it's you know, a lot of it's fun because a lot of the uh, people who buy use Magic, the reasonable portion, you know, are very active in terms of upgrading, getting the most from those systems. Which you know rolls me back to uh, also noting that it's unbelievable how many systems we see where you know, even really high-end systems never get upgraded beyond their base configuration. Although uh, you know, these systems have a lot of up- should should have been upgraded. They have a lot of upgradability, and you would think that Apple you know, would be better at educating and promoting the, the potential of upgrades. Really, I mean, going back into the 80s, you know, the dream and the vision the Jobs had was, I mean, the computer is an appliance. You've outgrown how you how it was originally initially delivered to you. It's time to buy a new one. Given the number of systems we see that, like, wow, you spent $4,000 to have this Mac Pro or $2,000 to have this iMac, and it's got the original four gigs of memory or three gigs of memory, uh, and it, you know, it was never upgraded. That was, but I mean, that you allocated that kind of budget for a system that, well, you look at a a, a four-core uh, Mac Pro, and you know, with three gigs of memory, you've got less than a gigabyte of memory for a core in a machine that's never going to be able to do half what it's capable of. But I, it, it's strange to see how few people, even some you know, groups that have IT departments that you would think know better, you know, aren't taking advantage of. It. And I think Apple used that as an excuse. To start soldering memory, and arguably there's a consumer component that doesn't need more memory. You're using it for word processing and web browsing and basic functions, and you buy a MacBook portable. You know, upgradability is not ne- not necessarily something that's going to be important to you. That being said, you know, I, I, I do think some of I mean there may be some cost savings. It's one less point of failure, and it's you know that they have the excuse not to put memory in. It it reduces the lifespan of those systems because although the first user might not have uh, taken advantage of the upgradability when it goes into the uh, the next user's hands. Typically, at that point, you know, that's, it's going to somebody who knows what it can do and knows what they can do with it. And when the memory soldered, especially these systems that ship with just two gigabytes of memory, you now you know, four is not the end of the world, but two gig is exceptionally painful. You know, those are 2011 machines. You look at the MacBook Airs. In that case, it's exceptionally limiting, and it it, it shortens the the useful lifespan of those machines. I would say in a relative basis, pretty considerably. And it's something that you know, a lot of users don't even necessarily know because you know, we still see tweets and we you know, add us. I mean, we really super appreciate it, but somebody will tweet, you know, don't don't upgrade your Air. You know, if they're, they're named the MacBook Air model or MacBook Retina, you know, don't don't pay for you know, the exorbitant amount that Apple wants. You know, buy it stock and, and go to OWC if you remember your upgrade. You know, that's, you know, have they upgraded this or that? And, and they're awesome, and you know we love that stuff, except for the fact that we have to go out and correct on on that issue to say no, buy what you need in the MacBook Air. In fact, we recommend maximizing. You know, put the max memory that you can get in that system because once it's down, it's soldered. You can't upgrade it later, and you know you can never have enough memory usually, especially if you're doing anything with uh, audio, video, photography. I mean, even the you know, you know, home stuff you know, can consume that memory you know super easy and. And when you get to a point where 8 gigs isn't enough, which a lot of these systems come with, and you didn't upgrade it to 16 gig, you know, suddenly instead of being able to purchase you know, a simple memory upgrade kit, you're forced to buy a new computer or live with the performance that you're limited to with having only 8 gigs. And, Is Apple trying to force you? to upgrade more often by soldering the memory? Or as you say, is there really a cost and a point of failure savings? Because I don't know if there are too many cases here of people who tried to upgrade memory and they destroy their computers. Besides, Apple wouldn't cover it if you try to upgrade your Mac and you make a mistake and cause damage. 
That's your problem. Sure. I don't think it's, you know, how to say it. And I look at the cost and the damage. It, you know, the support aspect is a, is a huge one. I think they take a look at the, the uh, from the point of view, X people, X percentage are actually taking the, uh, you know, in, in our space, especially you're online on the net, you know, listen to your show. I mean, you know, this is a, a base that understands, you know, the value of upgrades and you know, takes advantage of, you know, what they can do with their systems. But, you know, Apple has turned from, you know, really a uh, purveyor of pro systems to one of, you know, more consumer type systems, consumer level systems. And the average consumer, whether Mac or PC, you know, does not represent, isn't a cross section like you come across and you know, online in the forums and you know, who's reading the tech sites and such. They, they buy the machine and they're told that it's sold to them like an appliance. And they don't think twice about, I mean, it never even crosses their mind taking it apart and open. I mean, these are, this is somebody who, you know, may even have a, even if the computer's you know, upgradable, you know, it's, they're afraid to think about it. I mean, it's taking screws out. I mean, it's, it's just, it's a foreign thought. And again, it's hard for, it's hard to even believe that, you know, the way I, you know, how to say, existed in this space. When I say hard to believe it, it's just, I think, I mean, I just don't, it, it's hard to understand, but hard to believe that, you know, a, a large percentage of consumers who buy computers, you know, short of having somebody in the family or, you know, whether there's somebody they converse with at work who will help guide them in the process and encourage the upgrade, you know, that system is going to sit just like they bought it until they, uh, you know, retire it. And Apple looked at it from a point of view of, well, we have a consumer, if, if our consumers, if the customers buying our systems are taking advantage of the slot by and large, and it's just a small subset that really do, you know, there's certain systems we have to keep expandability on, which, you know, I think wisely they have. But these other systems that, you know, we're seeing statistically just don't get that kind of treatment, certainly at least not in their initial, you know, with the initial owner, you know, we'll turn around and, you know, we can, that's a cost we can reduce by not having that, uh, you know, that, that slot on the board. And they also, you know, this week, although it really doesn't, you know, the impact is not really real world, but they can also tweak a little bit more performance out of having that straight surface mounted memory as opposed to it you know, being on a uh, on a separate board with a, its own SPD. Now let's talk about the benefits of upgrading memory. At what point, what kind of use case is there where someone really has to think about upgrading memory, whether they have an upgradable Mac now or they're buying a new computer and it's worth spending 100 or $200 more for maxed out memory? Uh, there's, I mean, as long as the software you need to run can run on the system that you have, if you're, if, if the demands, you know, that the uh, software can draw or you're just your general workload can draw, if you have multiple applications such to be open and running at the same time, you know, as, as long as what you, the system you have can run your software and you have a situation where you could use more memory, where the available memory doesn't exceed, you know, what your applications are looking to have or, or paging out and, and using to operate, you know, there's always a benefit to more memory. Adding more memory is, you know, it provides a night and day uh, improvement. I mean, we have, for even for some of these older, I mean, I say older systems, systems that are from, you know, 2007, 2008, you know, we have a, a upgrade that supports you know, up to six gigabytes, you know, pushes, the original was four gigabytes. You can take them up to actually six gigabytes, which doesn't sound like a lot, but going from four to six gigabytes, you can read the reviews on our site on these kits. I mean, Tons of people. I mean, we know this. We've put benchmarks up that, that show it and how when you get over the threshold and when you're on the borderline where, you know, it's kind of got a page to drive, it's, it's, it, there's things that, you know, where there's not quite enough memory or it's just borderline, things slow down. That's when you get those wonderful wheels that spin around and keep you waiting. 
That makes a lot of sense. Let's go into more of this in a moment with Larry O'Connor of Otherworld Computing. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night High Live. Not just an alternative to the mainstream media. We're the premier independent talk radio network. We are GCN. By now you know that wireless technology like cell phones do in fact pose dangers to the health and privacy of everyone. Blockit Pocket's wide range of products are unmatched in providing the protection you deserve. No scare tactics, just common sense. BlockitPocket.com offers quality American-made options to alleviate and eliminate these invisible dangers. Learn more at BlockitPocket.com or call 888-315-9618. BlockitPocket.com, enhancing health and privacy. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit and carting to a private bank, having it led back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. There's a man named Dr. Joel Wallach who is anything but your typical doctor, both a veterinarian and naturopathic physician. Doc asks, why does the United States spend more money on health care by far and still rank 50th in health and longevity worldwide? He believes that people should empower themselves with a basic understanding of nutrition, take charge of their health, and attain optimal health and longevity through nutrition, not by toxic prescription drugs that lead to side effects and more toxic prescription drugs. Doc Wallach's message is resonating with an increasing number of Americans who are waking up to all the big government, big pharma, and big insurance manipulation of our health care system. I'm George Norrie, and I like what Doc Wallach is saying and doing to enlighten people about health care. Visit brightsideben.com and listen to Doc Wallach's Deadly Recipes lecture. It makes a lot of sense, and I urge you to join the Brightside Ben team. Go to brightsideben.com. That's brightsideben.com. Welcome back to the Tech Night Out Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. On the Tech Night Out Live, Larry O'Connor of Otherworld Computing is telling you about the reason why you'd want to upgrade the memory on your Mac. We know a lot of the Mac notebooks and some of the cheaper desktop Macs no longer have upgradable memory. I kind of wonder, though, about the MacBook Pro with Retina Display because this is a professional user's computer, and they should make it possible. But, you know, they don't want you to open anything anymore. They just want you to have it as a sealed box. That's unfortunate. Now, past the memory, though, wouldn't you say that the real, genuine, maximum performance boost you get, assuming you're not into a situation where you're running out of memory and it's paging the drive, the maximum performance boost, Larry, is from going to a solid-state drive? Absolutely. And a solid-state drive makes a difference across you know, all your operations. That being said, if you don't have enough memory, you know, a solid-state drive is still going still to speed things up because it's much faster for paging than a applied drive. I mean, it can, especially for memory operations that would be related to not having adequate memory, it's, uh, an SSD can be in the realm of 100 times faster than an SSD for the kind of uh, data calls 
that are made for paging. But if you, but it's still not as fast as as, mem- as memory would be. And overall, while things feel faster with an SSD, you know, where you haven't yet put enough memory in, and for a lot of applications, you'd actually see not quite the full performance that you could get if you upgraded memory first before going to an SSD. But again, an SSD just makes it all. If nothing else, even even if more memory would would be a better upgrade before the SSD, an SSD makes everything feel a lot faster, just as a perceptional. Use. I mean, it's you know, it makes up. I mean, SSD can, by and large, balance things out, average things out, and even in a lower memory situation, can make everything feel you know much more usable and faster. But yeah, SSDs are going even back to a system. Even if you have a machine that's doing what you need to do from a decade ago, and you just like to be a little bit faster, you don't need to upgrade your software. You don't need to well, replace your OS, and you're already limited, obviously, in your OS choices. But putting an SSD in that machine is still worthwhile today for a machine that's worthwhile in your use. If it's doing what you need it to do, you know, an SSD will make any machine much, much faster. Now, as readers of the technightown.com know, some months back I took a one terabyte otherworld computing SSD and placed it in a 2009 iMac. And understand that's not an easy process, all right? Let me talk about the results and tell you what a pain it is to do the upgrade, but it's worth it. So it would take to launch five or six apps and this restart my Mac two or three minutes to get everything settled down. So everything is running and everything's normal. With the solid state drivers like 30 seconds. I mean, it was amazing, the performance improvement. Now, unfortunately, in Apple's infinite wisdom, they don't want you to upgrade the drives on those machines because they make it so hard. So, for example, for the 2009 iMac and several generations, you literally had to pop it off, pry it off with these suction cups because they held the screen onto the computer with magnets. In newer models, it's some kind of weird adhesive. So it's not like adding memory, which is easy on the 27-inch iMac. It is tearing the thing apart to get to go. It's not hard to do, but boy, they sure make it make it complicated, don't they? It's tedious. Absolutely doable. Not not a high, super high you know, tech level kind of kind of gig. I mean, but yeah, it, it's you know you need to follow you know the directions given, and, and it's more time consuming than they needed to make it. You know, the iMac, it's in general, you know, I look at a system like the iMac and say, you know, what's this form over function? I mean, if they talk about how slim it looks from the side. When they went to the 2011, from the 2011 to the 2012 model, where they took the optical drive off and all. From the and they went to the bonded glass, which is I mean, there's there's there are you know, there's, there's some nice CDs there in terms of the uh, you know the bonded glass aspect, but not having a way to access the drive bay, and quite frankly, bragging about how slim the thing is when you really it doesn't even look any different really from the front. I mean, the way you use the computer, it's virtually uh, you know unchanged in terms. I mean, it's, sometimes I I don't know, you know quite what they're thinking, but yeah, the, the 2012s and then all the way into the 29s, we've got. We try to make it as easy as possible because people should be able to replace their drives, whether with a new hard drive, whether to add an SSD, where they have an SSD, you know, be in addition to the drive, or you know, replace the drive with a with an existing drive with to go pure SSD. So we have kits that come with the suction cups to make it easy to pull the screens off. In the case of the 2012, the 2014 models, it's actually a guitar pick that's included. I mean, that's of all the solutions that we you know went through, we went through plenty, and we broke a few screens in the process. The uh, the guitar pick was actually a uh, 
an exceptionally easy solution for cutting the OEM glue tape and removing the uh, screen without any issues consistently and with you know, relative ease. And then it's OEM tape that, you know, the same as Apple uses at the factory, effectively, that goes back on to put the screen back on. But they have to cut your screen off the, you know, hard drives die. I mean, I'm sorry. I mean, at some point, your hard drive is going to fail. Hopefully, it's a very long time, but hard drives have a finite life. I mean, it's a mechanical product that at some point is going to need to be replaced. And I mean, Apple, effectively, with those iMacs, have made it more difficult, I think, than it has to be for a user to take it to any service place and get it replaced. And even actually, even you know, more frustrating, you know, starting with the 2009 models, late 2009 models, they actually changed how the thermal data was reported into the system. And 2011 even gets harder because they do a firmware thing on the drives directly. If you don't use an Apple hard drive, an Apple firmware drive, or a drive that's equivalent, pay from the machine equivalent to the original drive, you put the new drive in, it doesn't talk to SMC, and the fans are rev. And we also have a, we have to have a replacement for that, an SMC a digital uh, a thermal solution that goes in line with the drive and provides that communication to SMC so the diagnostics pass right. You don't have to rely on a third-party software hack to override Apple's fan, uh, Apple's fan control. And at the same time, uh, you get a fully diagnostic testable system because it is getting the thermal data. So you start a diagnostic, diagnostic test in your iMac because something else is going wrong. It doesn't just stop at the, uh, the thermal sensor point and say, you know, failed thermal, you know, and a hard drive bay, which, you know, can prevent you from determining that there's what really is going on with your system. So this is we, so Apple, weird that Apple does this. We understand Apple engages in very complex temperature control. They like it with no fans, like the new MacBook has no cooling fans. Sure. And the others maybe have one, like the 2013-14 iMac has one fan. The 2009 had three, I believe. As I recall, that one has one. Now, unfortunately, the iMac is the hardest. I mean, Mac Minis are pretty, are relatively easy. MacBook, MacBook Pros are easy to work on. Mac Pros are designed to be worked on, so it, it runs the gamut. But it's interesting. You look at the machines, to, you know, more towards the consumer side. And MacBook Air, where memory solder, at least you can take the bottom off. With the, uh, you know, we provide the right tool to open her up and get the uh, swap SSDs out. But it, it is frustrating on a machine like an iMac that you make it, you can have a $3,000 investment into, you know, certainly no less than $1,000. And you decide a year later that that one terabyte drive isn't enough, that 500 gigabyte drive is not enough, and really don't have a, uh, there's, there's, it's not factory supported. Hey, there's a bay in the back, you access that hatch and swap the drive and, you know, you know go about your business. And certainly a, a computer that's three or four or five years old with a hard drive in it. Now, last thing I want to see, I mean, recycling programs are great for electronics. I mean, that's, that's a wonderful concept to recycle versus put it into a landfill. But ultimately, you know, a, a system that's exceptionally capable and only needed a new drive or you know, maybe needed, in the case you look at solder thing, solder memory systems, you know, more memory and ends up going to recycling and, instead of having it, you know, being used productively, you know, in, in an actual uh, work or home environment, that's you know, there's the recycling is not. A, I mean, there's that, that's still a huge loss and a, a massive, you know, lack of conservation. You know, what goes, what is involved with you know breaking down that system, and well, as I say trying to strip whatever parts and that the, the it's it, it's not a uh, it's not as bad as putting it into a landfill typically, 
but it's far less beneficial than, well, I can put a new hard drive into it. I, I do need a new computer today. I mean, that, the 2009 is not quite up to my, you know, my needs, but, you know, my nephew or my, you know, my brother, my son, my school, you know, can make good use of the system. You know, I'll replace the hard drive, you know, get it you know, up to function and, and put it into another, a new home where it can live on. Let's That's- live on with another segment. Now, Ray O'Connor of Otherworld Computing is with us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Gold. It's like nothing else on Earth. From the Romans through the Renaissance, from the Industrial Age to the Space Age, gold has weathered the test of time. For 6,000 years, gold has remained the ultimate store of wealth. According to the World Gold Council and the U.S. Mint, demand is at an all-time high. The stage is being set for the reemergence of gold as the common-sense alternative to a fiat paper currency that gets weaker every day. Midas Resources is proud to offer the hard-hitting report that arms you with the truth you need to protect you and your family from the Fed's plans for your hard-earned money. Don't gamble with your future. Call Midas Resources today and ask for your free copy of As Good As Gold. Call 1-800-686-2237 for the report the Fed hopes you'll never see. As Good As Gold can be yours by calling 800-686-2237. If you have ever thought about owning gold, you must read this report. Call Midas today at 800-686-2237. We live in a complicated society. Stressful issues are always popping up. Have you ever been treated unfairly by someone? Have you ever been overcharged for a repair? Have you ever signed a contract or a document? Worried about identity theft? How many times have you been in those unique situations where you just wanted to call an attorney to find out if you're right or wrong or what your legal rights are? But every time you think about calling an attorney, what do you think about first? That's right. Who do you call and how much will it cost? Our friends at Legal Shield have found a solution. With a nationwide network of 6,900 attorneys who average over 19 years of experience, Legal Shield's law firms take over 40,000 calls per week helping their members. For less than $20 per month, you can have access to Legal Shield on everything from the trivial to the traumatic. Let Legal Shield stand up for your rights at lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com. Or call 855-340-SAVE. 855-340-7283. Results will vary from case to case. Did you know that drinking pure, high-alkaline water is one of the most important factors in maintaining high energy and vibrant health? Most experts agree that the water you drink should be at a pH level of 8 or higher. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops, available only at AlkaVision.com, combine a unique formula of only the most alkaline minerals. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops alkalize your water, ridding the body of harmful toxins, and helps you regain health and energy. Alkalizing your water by simply adding 10 drops of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops helps the body rid itself of acidic waste, increases oxygen content, and raises the pH of your body to healthy levels. And bacteria and viruses cannot survive in an alkaline high pH environment. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH drops for only $29.95 at AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Or call 269-409-1776. 269-409-1776. Alkalize your body. Supercharge your health at AlkaVision.com today.
By now, you may have heard a bit about Bitcoins. But did you know Bitcoins are now over an $8.5 billion market? And did you know that over 65,000 businesses now accept Bitcoins? Listen, if you're already earning Bitcoins or trying to make money in the Bitcoin market, you've got to know BidBit.co. Why? Because BidBit.co is where you can easily receive Bitcoins by selling and auctioning off your own personal items or promote business products and services for Bitcoins. You heard right. Whether personal or business, you can now buy, sell, and auction your product and services quickly, easily, and securely for Bitcoin at BidBit.co, the first and only marketplace website to offer BidBit escrow, a proprietary technology which gives buyers and sellers security and peace of mind because all transactions are protected. Start today. It's free to join, free to post, free to auction, and free to bid at BidBit.co. Buy, sell, bid, or auction everything Bitcoin. That's www.bidbit.co. BidBit.co. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow Night Owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. We have Larry O'Connor of Otherworld Computing. We're talking about upgrading hard drives with traditional mechanical hard drives. And now we've got capacities like you get a three terabyte drive for $200. What about the longevity? Is the longevity as good as the 500 gigabyte drive? Well, again, it depends upon the brand. And I prefer not to name a particular brand. There's plenty of that out there. We experienced it firsthand you know, a couple of years ago and for a short period of time, which is why we don't use that brand in our three and a half inch 1700-based solutions. If you look at our solutions online, we're one of the few manufacturers that list the exact the model and make of hard drive that's inside. And we make the uh, the solution that enables it to be an external device. And we don't make the actual hard drive mechanism, but we do tell you whose hard drive mechanisms we use in our systems. And there's a reason, good reasons for who we select, what drives are qualified, and and that you're fine in those solutions. But as far as reliability, more platters, more parts. You know, higher density drives do tend to. The probability of failure is between a 500 gig and a 5 terabyte is actually really, really, really close. But there's more to go wrong with a higher density, a higher capacity drive. So, but not to a degree where I'd say don't buy a, you know, a 4 terabyte drive because it's 10 times more likely to give you issue. It, it's pretty close. It, it's pretty nominal in terms of the difference. As long as you're buying a drive that, by definition, you know, the, the brand, the, uh, the track record supports the, the actual platform is pretty pretty reliable. I, w- I would buy the capacity that I need. I wouldn't worry about you know, thinking that this drive is because it's higher capacity. The difference in fail rates is ex- exceptionally small at this point. Again, with the good brands, with the, the, the quality product, there is, again, one particular line of one through three terabyte drives I would not touch with a 10-foot pole, and I certainly wouldn't trust my data to it. At the same time, and I spent a whole lot of time going around on that particular subject, but no matter what drive no matter what's inside your computer, drives of all the things you know that you have in a, a system, a hard drive, and even to to a lesser degree, a, a solid state drive, they're storing your data. I mean, that's a complex function. In the case of a hard drive, you know that's a, a highly mechanically dependent uh, process. Which even if the drive is perfect, you know it's subject to external issues. I mean, if a, a bad power down from a, a power outage, the wrong time, you know, a, a bad hit. I mean, a physical impact on the the computer that the drive is in that affects it, say, negatively. Meanwhile, there's a lot of protections 
you know, for shock and this and that. But the bottom line is this is the device most likely to fail in your system. It's also the device, if it does fail, it's got your data on it. No matter what, how old or how new the drive is that's got your primary data, you have to have a backup strategy. You must have good backups. Backups, you know, let you sleep at night and let you, you know, move past you know, that kind of failure. So you certainly want to start with the most reliable. I mean, any kind of failure is time that you have to, have to spend dealing with it. But your data is, you know, is exceptionally priced, especially if it's family photos, whether it's business records, your music collection, whatever it may be. Make sure you have a backup. That's absolutely, I mean, not having a backup and if something goes wrong, there's nobody. And I don't want to sound cruel, but the only person you have to blame at that point is yourself. You know, it's very inexpensive to have a backup you know, going of your data. In fact, you should have multiple backups and even uh, you know, move data offsite. You know, have a, rotated, a rotating a drive for that matter. It isn't just failure that causes data loss. I mean, natural disaster, you know, theft, you know, other, you know, how do I say, unexpected events. And if both your backups are in the same place, in the case of theft, a fire, a flood, you know, if you're in the same kind of boat, the cost to recover data from a compromised drive or a drive that's been this failed during use is exponentially more than the cost of having, you know, a, an external drive. I mean, a, a four terabyte drive is not much more than actually. Never mind, four terabytes. If you look at the average, so a one terabyte drive is around a hundred dollars or less, and the cost to recover one terabyte of data you know, is in the thousands. So have a good backup. You know, sleep well, and just it's just a good practice. What about these offsite backups, cloud backups like CrashPlan and Carbonite and places like that? What do you think? I think those are good as, the, as part of your backup strategy. You know, the disadvantages are you don't have direct control over your data on an on-site basis. If you, it takes a long time to get all of your data uploaded to those sites. So you're either not uploading everything, you're, you're more selective about critical files, or if you are uploading everything, it takes a, like a real long time, especially if you create a bunch of data or import you know, a large, uh, I'd say, memory card of photos into your system. It, it's not an overnight process for that data to be uploaded. And if you do have an issue, you know, that requires access to that backup, the process of getting the data back down is not typically a uh, need at all. You know, some services I know will offer that you can pay them to send you a, an image on a drive, you know, or you can go into, you know, you can obviously download the data, but it's exceptionally painful if you have to depend on that service as your primary recovery point. It's a great secondary or tertiary even, and perhaps for critical files or things that you know, you'd need immediate access to you know, following some disaster, even if you wanted to remotely you know, or use a different system to grab files and get back online with you know, something that's critical to your daily operation. But as a primary backup, you're shooting yourself in the foot because it will be exceptionally painful if you end up having to recover there. Plus, it's highly likely that you know, at the point of failure, not all your data is even going to be you know, in place on one of those services. And not a fault of the service, it's just only so much bandwidth you know, for supporting uh, you know, that kind of data transfer. And the thing you have to remember here is your ISP is going to have a bandwidth cap. Mine has 400 gigabytes, and my normal hard drive has like 550. So I couldn't download all my files from, say, CrashPlan or one of those services and not exceed my bandwidth cap. So I'd either have to take some of the files, a selected portion, or if they offer the service, have them send it to me on a drive. So that's it. Let's talk about the drives, though. So what is a good rule of thumb in terms of replacing the drive? You think four or five years, if you haven't had an immediate failure, maybe four or five years is good enough? You know, it, it depends upon the use and the drive. I mean, if you 
want an extra comfort level, replacing a drive certainly you know, at the four or five year mark is not a bad thing, or even the three or four year mark. But you know, honestly, and this is you know, maybe I should be supposed to this kind of practice. I have good backups. I mean, backups that are you know, I trust in, in multiple, you know, multiple redundancies just because, and knock on wood, I've never had to you know, suffer from a drive failure. I've never had to actually go and use a backup. That being said, you know, I, I would personally, I mean, I'll run a drive until it's you know, showing an issue. I mean, I have soft rate on my systems now, which does predictive uh, drive failure. Usually before a drive fails, you know, there's some attributes that can be significant indicators to an impeding failure that will start to register. And these are register and software picks up on them, and it's, they have a pretty good algorithm in terms of what uh, provides a probability for drive failure as opposed to just straight smart, which I've seen a lot of, I mean, with, actually not a lot, with smart in general. If you're using a smart utility, by the time smart is saying that the drive has got issues, you've already experienced issues. You've run the utility usually because you know, your machine is acting funny. You've had crashes or system locks, and you run smart because it's you know, on your list of things to do. Software uses uh, the smart data and other uh, variables a little differently and is monitoring. And it actually is really cool. The first time I installed it, you know, all my systems checked out great. Everything was fine. And I put it on and it kicks up and says that, and, and this was actually, you know, I do other things with live redundancy. I had a RAID 1 and it said one of my RAID 1 drives you know, was at about a 60% probability for failure within six months. Well, it was time to replace that drive. And it was that drive was a Seagate drive that was uh, from Apple factory and about two and a half years old. Let's go into more of this in our next segment with Larry O'Connor of Other World Computing. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. We are the premier independent talk radio network. The Genesis Communications Network. GCN. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number. 1-855-905-MY-TV. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. Say goodbye to the cable guy and get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. Sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 and there's no equipment to buy. You get free HD TV upgrade, a free DVR upgrade, and free professional and installation. You control what you watch when you watch it. Record your favorite shows. Pause and rewind live TV. Even skip the commercials. Watch local channels too. At just $19.99, what are you waiting for? Pull out your major credit or debit card. Call 1-855-905-MYTV. 1-855-905-MYTV. 
Say goodbye to the cable guy. Cut costs and get more. 1-855-905-MY-TV. 1-855-905-MY-TV. This alert just came in. This special announcement is for business owners and leaders of organizations who've been waiting for the right time to build. General Steel has made it impossible to wait any longer with rock-bottom prices that could save you thousands. That's right, General Steel, America's leader in pre-engineered structures, is offering buildings at prices you will never see again. Don't miss these prices. A 50 by 100 for $35,000. You heard right, that's 5,000 square feet for $35,000. Manufacturers, if you need a larger building, try a 100 by 100 commercial building for $129,000. You can't afford to rent with these prices. Imagine a 70 by 100 foot church building for under $69,000. With the economy improving and interest rates still at historic lows, you can't afford to wait. So call 866-91-STEEL. Lock in your price now. Call 866-91-STEEL. That's 866-917-8335. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years in serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System today, complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231, and the Berkey Guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey Light, the Berkey Guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey Guy at 1 886 3653. That's 1 886 3653. Or order online at goberkey.com. That's goberkey.com today. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. We have Larry O'Connor of Otherworld Computing at MaxSales.com. If you want to learn more about what they do, we'll go into SSDs and upgrading drives for the remainder segment or two. And I want to remind you also that we can get you an ad-free version of the show if you go to plus.technightowl.com, plus.technightowl.com. We get a version of the show without the network ads. That's also higher quality audio, plus.technightowl.com, plus.technightowl.com. There you go. Larry O'Connor is joining us from Otherworld Computing. And we're talking about when might be a good time to replace that drive and the issue also is with solid state drives there are no mechanical components does that mean they last forever or what they don't last forever but they certainly have the potential to last a lot longer than a typical hard drive that also though especially in the mac universe requires selecting an ssd and you know that's been built right for your macintosh you know apple builds obviously their drives with full trim support and full integration with their os but that's not the case with third-party drives. I would call out our drives, especially as they were designed as first and foremost for the Mac platform. And when we designed and we went down this path, there was not, there, even from even for Apple's own SSDs, trim support was no, not presently existent under OS X. 
the issue uh, of running a drive without trim that depends on trim is that number one, the drive often will run a little bit slow. It won't run as efficiently as it should just for standard reads and writes. So you can see slowdowns, but far more critically, a drive that depends upon trim and it's not being supported by OSI trim and trim helps. It's kind of a uh, cheat would be the wrong word, but it's, 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 it's kind of a crutch to uh, offload and help the, uh, the drive do less duties in terms of how the, the data is being managed and how the data is being mapped. It keeps the, the OS and the, and the drive stay more in sync as opposed to having the drive perform those functions internally. A little bit with garbage collection and you know, how the NAND is being allocated. But in a nutshell, if you don't have trim on your system and, a, and you're using a drive that requires trim, you end up in a situation where there's a lot more write cycles being utilized to write the same amount of data. It'd be like plotting a map, plotting a, a route to a destination, and instead of you know just driving you know the ten miles that you know is the most efficient route, you know sometimes it, I mean without trim, you know it can be the equivalent of taking a route that's a hundred miles to get to that same destination, and you have that equivalency wear on the NAND just like you would on a tire. You know NAND has a finite number of write cycles, and you want that drive to be exceptionally efficient. And using those right cycles, or you start to burn them, burn through them, and that does lead to early drive death. And our particular SSDs were designed from the absolute beginning to not have a dependency or necessity for trim. They maintain, and, and demonstration, demonstratively so, full performance, whether it's 0% full, all, you know, 1% full, whatnot, all the way up to 99.99% full. And the right amplification is, is not affected by not having trim. I mean, these drives were designed in a, in a day before, actually the the, uh, the basis for these drives and the technology came out in a day before there was trim on the Mac, before you could hack it on, which in itself is a, is kind of a, can depend on the drive, could be a risky proposition. And now with Yosemite, you, know, you don't even have the uh, the ease to just you know install a, a, hack, a piece of hack software and have a kick on. Now you actually have to disable a security layer to have trim on, which is, you know, really not a uh, a brilliant idea, uh, given various uh, vulnerabilities that can subject you to. And quite frankly, in the Mac world, that's not in the, you shouldn't have to hack things in the first place. So, in terms of buying a drive, Intel. I mean, in addition to OWC's drives, the Electron, the the Mercury Pro, the Mercury Extreme Pros, Intel's uh, a lot of Intel's drives, you know, are built you know, with the same uh, at this point today with the same uh, uh, processor technology. They they make a good candidate uh, for your Mac. But of course, I I still uh, Drive you towards ours. We're the only company that has the kind of support, and again, the core design that you know put the Mac first. You, know, you you want a drive that works as well the first day you put it put it into your system as it does a year, two years, three years, five years later. The majority of the drives on the market today, you know, and they may show you know, wonderful benchmarks, which is a whole other area I can touch really briefly. The drives that we built aren't built to show you know exceptional you know, how to say peaks under artificial load tests, you know, whether that's a read sequence or a write sec- uh, sequence, they're built to uh, provide exceptional performance in a true mixed load in a true mixed load environment, which is what your computer provides as you're doing your daily activities. Your system is never just reading or just writing, which is how benchmarks typically test. It, it's doing a multitude of activities all at the same time, which involve reads and writes. The processor and, and the overall design of our SSDs actually shows a very nice, relatively straight line, uh, say, a, a performance level maintained, whereas you know, there's typically drives that 
you know, people run, you know, this bench rack or that bench rack on and say, well, that's where, you know, this drive looks like it's that much faster. Those same drives that, you know, show great numbers when they're only having to do one thing fall way under our performance when they're doing a, a multitude of, of processes. So let's focus here mm-hmm. on the price of an SSD. Now, you Absolutely. can buy a terabyte drive for, what, $75? A terabyte solid-state drive right now is, what, $470? And different vendors have different prices, but that's a, a pretty solid price to pay. Why is it so much more expensive? You're paying for it. It's a silicon-based product. It, it's, it, I mean, the, the cost is simply higher. I mean, that's just as simple as, as it is. And that cost is, is continues to quickly come down. I mean, if you look back a year ago, more or less, you know, a, four, a 480 gigabyte uh, SSD was about as much as a terabyte today. A couple of years ago, heck, you know, when these drives first came out, a 120 gig drive was over $500. So they're quickly coming down in price, but it's driven by the cost of the, uh, the processor and the NAND inside. It's simply more expensive. But when you look at the performance difference that it gives to you, I mean, you can take a machine, you can... If you need a terabyte of SSD for that $500, you can turn that machine from five years ago, six years ago, into an absolute you know beast in, in the, the best way possible. And if you don't need a, you know the terabyte, you know the higher density, just like just like hard drives. If you take a look when you go from a terabyte, you know right now one through three terabyte, there's it's pretty consistent. But when you start to get the four terabyte, certainly when you get the six terabyte, the cost you know that you're paying per uh, per gigabyte is going up. You're paying a premium for the higher density platters and such. And the same is true with an SSD. If you only need 120 gigs today, 120 gigs uh, sets you back you know, around $70. A 240 gig SSD is around $120. And granted, that actually, in the math, that's probably not supporting my, uh, exactly supporting my whole one terabyte. There's the parity is, I'm correcting myself in, in stream, the, the, the cost parity, the delta between the densities is actually compressed quite a bit. So basically, Larry, 256 gigabytes, a really good sweet spot, it sounds like, in terms of pricing, get a lot of value. When you start getting to 480 or 960 a terabyte or something, it's not as effective. But well, there are new tech... 480 is actually, you know, 480s are now, you know, about two and a quarter. Oh, they are. So it's a terabyte that right now isn't quite as good. When is it going to reach a point or is it going to reach a point where I can get a terabyte for $100, solid state drive, good quality? Arguably, we're probably a good two, three years off, and that has to do with just the efficiencies and manufacturing as they continue to shrink the die and you know, squeeze more onto a single, single chip. I mean, you have fixed material costs, you know, in the NAND, and, and obviously technology recovery costs. But the other thing that you know that also to kind of keep in mind is interesting what's happening with SSDs. You know, as the densities go up, the demand for air correction goes up. Know, at a much faster rate, and in a few years, and it's actually it was a scary concept. When you know, there's not so much the case today, at least not until your you know, drive has really been worn down. But in a few years, I mean, the expectation is effectively that your data is being stored on not you know in a you know in a state that is not necessarily air free, and it's ECC air correction algorithms and the heavy duty processing on that front that's able to manage that data and keep your data. You know, effectively air-free in its application and its use, regardless of how it's stored on the drive, and it, to 100% bit accuracy. Even though it, the expectation is you know, there's it, it, in a state of you know with the with the air probability, just because of the densities and, and the nature of how man has to be managed past those. It's things. It, it's an interesting field. It's a 
It sounds like a complicated field. And I want to ask you a few more questions for one more segment with Larry O'Connor of Otherworld Computing. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. We are America's largest independently owned communications network, GCN. Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors, head on over to A2Hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, A2Hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code GENE when you check out. Most people know that drinking pure high alkaline pH water is the most important factor in maintaining high energy and vibrant health. Most experts agree that the water you drink should be at a pH level of 8 or higher. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops combine a unique formula of the most alkaline minerals. Using Plasma pH Drops is the best way to make your water alkaline to help you get rid of acid and regain your health and energy. Simply put 10 drops in the water you drink to raise the pH to a healthy level. Alkalizing water helps your body rid itself of acidic waste and increases the oxygen content of your body. Disease organisms like bacteria, viruses, and cancer cannot survive in an alkaline high pH environment. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops now by going directly to AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Or call 269-409-1776. 269-409-1776 today. For health and vitality for you, your family, and friends, get the Healthy Start Pack from Longevity, as recommended by registered pharmacist Ben Fuchs. If you're a junk food junkie, getting on the Healthy Start Pack is one of the best ways to wean yourself off of processed snack foods and start putting good nutrition in your body. If you have a loved one who's dealing with heart disease or any health challenge, the Healthy Start Pack makes a great gift. If you have a grandparent or a parent in a nursing home, you will be amazed at the difference a once-a-day dose of the Healthy Start Pack will make in your loved one's energy levels, in their memory, in their mood, and in their general outlook on life. Give the gift of optimal health to your loved ones and order the Healthy Start Pack from Longevity by calling 866-735-2470. That's 866-735-2470. Or on the web at brightsideben.com. That's brightsideben.com. Order today. By now you may have heard a bit about bitcoins. But did you know bitcoins are now over an $8.5 billion market? And did you know that over 65,000 businesses now accept bitcoins? Listen, if you're already earning bitcoins or trying to make money in the bitcoin market, you've got to know bidbit.co. Why? Because bidbit.co is where you can easily receive bitcoins by selling and auctioning off your own personal items or promote business products and services for bitcoins. You heard right. Whether personal or business, you can now buy, sell, and 
and auction your products and services quickly, easily, and securely for Bitcoin at BidBit.co, the first and only marketplace website to offer BidBit escrow, a proprietary technology which gives buyers and sellers security and peace of mind because all transactions are protected. Start today. It's free to join, free to post, free to auction, and free to bid at BitBit.co. Buy, sell, bid, or auction everything Bitcoin. That's www.bidbit.co. BidBit.co. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. The nuts and bolts of this technology, you can see that Larry O'Connor is a wizard of that, okay? Because I asked him to tone it down for consumers. So, you know, he's living not just the high life with a big business. He understands the nuts and bolts and the nitty-gritty stuff that I wouldn't expect a corporate executive to be concerned about. But obviously, he is about handling these details. There's something I read about involving a new technology from Micron and Intel called, is it NAND 3D, is it? Mm-hmm. Sure. Now, what's, now, is that something that maybe two or three years from now, that's going to be the magic bullet that allows you to offer these higher-density solid-state drives for a much less price? It's the ongoing evolution of the 3D NAND uh, NSA technology. Samsung's actually been producing drives of 3D NAND. They're triple-layer. They, at this point, their, their 3D processes provided for a bit of time, and you know, they'll go well, well beyond three layers and the short answer is yes, because that allows far more data to be packed into a smaller package. That being said, you know, the lifespan of 3D NAND goes, this point has been going downward and downward. I mean, there's, and then the offsets and the, the support side, you increase your processor capabilities, managing the NAND and managing use of the right cycles so you can maximize it to the best of ability, maximize longevity, and also have factoring, for lack of a better explanation, correcting errors. Now, at the end of the day, on the front end, you have a drive that you know, stores data, returns data, and works exceptionally fast for consumers and, and users in general that are depending upon the drive. Behind the, uh, the scenes inside that drive, you know, it's an amazing amount of work that's being performed to, to keep that data and keep everything flowing. But yeah, in a couple of years, you know, as they continue to increase the amount of 3D technology, yes, it's gonna, that's the only way to uh, kick the density up. We first had single-layer NAND. It's exceptionally fast, exceptionally it doesn't have the, the right cycle limitations that multi-layer brought in. And with multi-layer, you, you've got far more advanced NAND processors, SSD processors, the brains of the, you know, it manages the, uh, the data storage and acquisition on the drive. Those grew to you know, exceptionally new levels to handle what would now be higher density, but with you know, some, some things you had them, you, you couldn't ignore writes anymore. You couldn't be inefficient in your writes because with a multi-layer and MLC NAND, which is what Pretty much every drive was built with up until Samsung last year. The MLC product, you know, couldn't handle quite as many writes. Wouldn't handle anywhere near the number of writes actually. Is SLC? SLC is virtually infinite compared to what an MLC uh, NAND device needs. And then you get the, the TLC and the 3D stuff that Samsung first started using. And now you're at a point where you, know, you really have to have good management of that that NAND use because the write cycles, the actual write cycles, not the amount of storage you can read and write to the drive. It, and it's only writes that reads don't burn uh, NAND cycles. It's only the writes you know, where you're you know, altering the, uh, you know, what's stored, what, how the NAND, the effect you're altering the, NAND, the state of the NAND every time you change 
the data that's on a, a NAND cell. But with TLC and the, the first 3D stuff and ongoing 3D stuff, you continue to raise the bar for how efficient you have to be at using each right cycle you have available so that that NAND in that drive can give the longevity to the user you know, without having failure. And, and then going back to that trim, I'll try to be super quick on that. You know, when you have a drive that needs to be efficient and uses trim with the OS, which was you know, first instituted on the PC and the ex- ex- common standard Apple chooses not to support it. The Apple only supports trim on Apple's drives. If you don't have an Apple factory drive and you have a drive that requires trim, you have to use a hack. So again, I highly recommend our drives, a drive I can sell, which no hack is needed, but you use a drive that needs that efficiency and it doesn't have trim to maintain that efficiency. Things are great, certainly for a while, but much sooner than expected, you're going to have an issue. Let's move on quickly here. We only have about five minutes left. Okay. So you're saying basically that in a couple of three years, the prices of today's mechanical hard drive and the solid state drive will be pretty, pretty close. Does that kill mechanical drives? No. I mean, mechanical drives always have a place, and I think the densities on mechanical drives will go up. Plus, you look at two or three years saying that the cost of mechanical drive and, a, and an SSD are going to be about the same. Well, what you're paying, what, what's one terabyte in the mechanical drive today, I would expect you to see two or three terabytes as they move those platter densities down into the, the other capacity, the other, uh, you know, well, they'll become entry-level tiers effectively. You'll still see hard drives cheaper. It's going to be at least, I, I predict, you know, five to 10 years where you're going to have both a, a lower cost as well as an acceptable reliability at that cost. There may be lower cost solutions in them, but they may have advertised pitfalls in terms of the reliability you expect or how you want to use the drive. It may not be used truly in place of a hard drive. So it's going to be a, a few years before you're actually you know, always want to buy or where it would be practical to buy something. And it may not even be an SSD or, or flash as we know it today. There's other storage technologies that are also on the horizon as you look five to 10 years in the future. But long and short of it is an SSD gives such huge benefit, really an effective cost when you consider you know, what it does for your system. It's you know, at any price today, and I say at any price that in terms of where the market is today, you can't go wrong with an SSD. Hard drives, you know, great for backup, great for longer term storage and you know, for different applications. I mean, video editing, I mean, there's, they still have their place where an SSD is unlikely to it's going to be years before an SSD can replace it because hard drives will continue to get larger. Storage demands will continue to get larger as media you know, continue, whether it's the photos going up in megapixel or the video going from you know, 2K to 4K now and it's 6 and 8K in the future. Demand for data storage continues to grow. Well, I hope the ISPs know that and give you a higher bandwidth cap. Let me give you my case history here, as our readers know. So I upgraded, in addition to that iMac with the solid-state drive and the extra memory, a 2010 17-inch MacBook Pro. You know, the 17-inch configuration was discontinued the following year. So first thing I did was put one of his 480-gigabyte solid-state drives in there. It's not difficult. The only thing that was difficult is you've got to remove like 10 screws. And those 10 screws are teeny tiny screws. So I lost a few and they were gracious enough to send me some replacements. And what happened is I didn't take out like an ashtray or a cereal bowl or something, or a glass or something to put those tiny screws in. But the replacement of the drive is very simple, very straightforward. Replacing the RAM is probably even quicker because it just pretty well pops out, very simple. You still have to open the bottom of the case. That took me maybe 12 minutes to do. After that, it's amazing. 2010 17-inch MacBook Pro. It's Geekbench scores are 
probably equivalent to a MacBook Air of about 2012 or 2013, and about half the speed of what you get now. But this thing boots fast, runs fast, and it's something that I like using again. I mean, for the longest time, I didn't want to use it. It was so darn slow. But I guess I gave it a much longer lifespan there. And correct me if I'm wrong, and we have to go in a minute, Larry. The voltage used by a solid-state drive of 480 gigabytes, is that less than what a 500 gigabyte regular hard drive uses? That's a trick question, but probably not intended. The voltage is the same, but the wattage on a SSD and tip, on average is, is far less than a hard drive. You're using less power with an SSD, other than in the bursts where you're accessing the SSD, than a hard drive. But to load the same amount of data from an SSD is the blink of an eye compared to a longer load cycle on a hard drive. So for the same amount of data loaded, the short answer is you use less power with an SSD than you do with a hard drive. So that five-year-old computer maybe gets me a little bit more battery life. Larry O'Connor, tell our listeners where they can find more information about the stuff you sell and make. Certainly. You can visit our, uh, our main uh, sales website at www.maxsales.com, or we invite you to check out owcdigital.com, which you can find all of our uh, latest storage solutions and more. So lots of information and we have videos and other informationals for you know, how to actually do these upgrades online. Now, we don't just offer this product. We provide the full solution, including you know, making sure you can actually do these upgrades at, at home or at work. So we got you covered. The videos are really well done, very professionally done, very simple to work through. Okay. You can find us on Twitter. We're known as Tech Night Owl. Look for Tech Night Owl on Twitter to learn about our premium service. Go to plus.technightowl.com, P-L-U-S.technightowl.com. Check out Tech Night Owl Plus, where the network ads are gone. You get higher quality audio for a modest monthly, annual, or five-year subscription fee. We have another radio show about UFOs, things that go bump in the night. It's called The Paracast at Paracast.com. That's Paracast.com. Our guest this week is a gentleman from Great Britain, George Wingfield, And he has lots of provocative things to say about the world, of the strange and unknown. And he is politically incorrect, believe it or not. Here on the Tech Night Out Live, Larry O'Connor, thanks for joining us on the show. Hey, my pleasure, Gene. Thanks for having me. The Tech Night Owl Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bad time, same bad channel.